my best friend. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. The Department of Justice will not, repeat, will not file charges in the special counsel's investigation into President Biden's handling of classified documents from his time as vice president. The investigation was launched after sensitive documents were found in 2022 at a private office at the Penn Biden Center and at the president's Delaware home. The decision not to file criminal charges may very well be viewed through the political prism during this presidential election year. This report was put together by special counsel Robert Hur. It runs 345 pages. Congress has been given a copy. One portion of it goes as follows. The special counsel said Biden's conduct, quote, presented serious risks to national security given the vulnerability of extraordinarily sensitive information to loss or compromise to America's adversaries. But addressing those risks when pursuing criminal charges, the only means available to this office is not the proper remedy here. Something the special counsel said in his report is that one of the reasons you were not charged is because, in his description, you are a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. I'm well-meaning and I'm an elderly man and I know what the hell I'm doing. I've been president. I put this country back on its feet. I don't need his recommendation. It's How totally bad out of is your memory and can you continue as president? My memory is so bad I let you speak. What? That's uh, that's that's. Your memory has gotten worse, Mr. President. My memory is not good. My memory is fine. My memory. Take a look at what I've done since I become president. None of you thought I could pass any of the things I got passed. How'd that happen? You know, I guess I just forgot what was going on. The conduct of the response in Gaza in the Gaza Strip has been. Um, over the top. I think that, uh, as you know, initially, yeah, the president of Mexico, Sisi, did not want to open up the gate to allow humanitarian material to get in. I talked to him. I convinced him to open the gate. I talked to Bibi to open the gate on the Israeli side. The world is in tremendous danger. We're in danger of possibly a World War III. And we have a man who's absolutely the worst president in the history of our country. Can't put two sentences together. He's not going to be able to negotiate with Putin or Xi or Kim Jong-un, North Korea. Not going to be able to negotiate with anybody. All he knows how to do is drop bombs all over the place, meaningless bombs, except they kill a lot of people. It costs a lot of money. Every time you see a bomb, it's another million dollars. And it actually sets us back. We have peace through strength. This should not be happening. The Middle East is blowing up. It's blowing up. And a lot of people are being killed, and it's so unnecessary. I've been able to coach in two Super Bowls, and you lose either one of them. Both of them are heartbreaking. So in terms of pain, I, I mean, I've broken my arm, my collarbone, a lot of things. So um, those are more painful, but um, those things last a while. But it's all about getting back there again, and that's what I'm excited for today. I never thought of, about the word legacy. When I think of legacy, I think of my dad. I'm just trying to win that game. And that game is always the next one. Finally, we're in a game where this is the last one of the year. And these are the ones that count. So, yeah, you understand that. You're aware of that. But... That's stuff that you don't really have time to spend thinking about. 
Listen, I understand why we're the underdog. I get that. We had some ups and downs during the season. Um, I never feel like an underdog uh, going into a game, but um, I understand why uh, it's been situated that way. City, the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. We are sitting friends in the morning exclusively on Talk Radio 77 WABC, kicking some early ass with ACDC for the big game coming up on Sunday. The San Francisco 49ers looking to tie the New England Patriots and Pittsburgh Steelers with six Super Bowl wins for the franchise and the Kansas City Chiefs looking to win their fourth. They won one with Len Dawson, two with Patrick Mahomes. Most of the Niners Super Bowls go to Joe Montana. Steve Young did win one. So the big one coming up, you did hear from both coaches at the end of that open put together by Justin Ellick. Kyle Shanahan, he talked about his father being a legend. He's right about that. Mike Shanahan. And then you heard from uh, Kansas City Chief Head Coach Andy Reid saying he gets it with the underdog. I get it. It's stupid. I mean, it's stupid. They should not be the underdog. Had this conversation with the sports pope, the legend, half of that great Mike and the Mad Dog combination, Mike Francesa, yesterday. And he agrees, like I agree, Chiefs are going to win. This is nonsense and Niners are favorites. Patrick Mahomes has made a living of winning big games. Brock Purdy hasn't won a big game yet. And they've struggled these last two wins, San Francisco, while Kansas City has gone out there and beaten maybe the two best teams in the playoffs, Buffalo and Baltimore. Why would you bet against Mahomes and Andy Reid when Kyle Shanahan's won nothing, Brock Purdy's won nothing? I know the Niners are explosive, But the Chiefs' defense is so underrated. Their defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnola, you may remember, he was Tom Coughlin's defensive coordinator here with the Giants when we beat Tom Brady and won that Super Bowl. He's a genius. 
You get the Chiefs defense underrated. You get Mahomes, who's already won two Super Bowls. Andy Reid, who spent the Super Bowls with two different organizations. And you're going to make the 49ers the favorite? Get out of here. They're not going to win, folks. Now, it's not going to be high scoring either. I heard somebody say 31-27. Not a chance. You're not getting 58 points here. I think both teams are going to try to run the football and keep the other quarterback off the field, whether it's Pacheco, the Rutgers product with Kansas City, or, of course, Christian McCaffrey with San Francisco. Chiefs have a pretty good defensive backfield. McDuffie's real good, and they've got Chris Jones rushing the passer, so I don't see it as a game where they combine for 60 points. I don't see that, but but who knows? I just know that I'm taking Kansas City. We're going to replay that great conversation we had yesterday with Mike Francesa coming up at 6.45. But, of course, the reason why I'm so fired up this morning and we went to Hell's Bells by ACDC is the thought of beating the living daylights out of this dementia-ridden, corrupt, crooked, doddering fool Joe Biden gives me an erection I couldn't get if I took six Viagra. Six. This son of a bitch yesterday is able to, for some reason, escape what Donald Trump couldn't for doing the same exact thing. Same exact thing. Right? They both shouldn't have done it. They both had classified documents when they shouldn't. But my guy Donald Trump He's got cases up the ass, and Biden, now he's a nice old man. Don't worry about it. What? You know what it reminded me of, of course? Let me take you back to this memory, which would have been July of 2016. It was the middle of the afternoon. At the time, I was doing the midday show with my late great partner, Bernard McGurk, when I watched not her yesterday, but Jim Comey eight years ago. Jim Comey making a 30-minute argument why Hillary Clinton was guilty. Remember that? When she erased 33,000 emails, why she was guilty. And then after making this really compelling 30-minute defense as to why she was guilty, at the very end of it, James Comey said this, cut number five. Although there is evidence of potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information, our judgment is that no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. Oh, really? You're wrong, Jim. So once again, Democrat Hillary Clinton escapes. Same thing yesterday. Democrat Joe Biden escapes. Republican Donald Trump, they'll charge him a thousand times. Anybody who says to you, these cases... These incidents have not been viewed through a political prism is somewhere between naive and stupid and closer to the latter, if not an agenda-driven, biased liar. There's no way you can charge Trump and not Biden. I heard Bill O'Reilly, I watched him last night with Chris Cuomo, Bill O'Reilly on in the 9 o'clock hour today say, I'm glad they didn't charge Biden. Well, Bill, I got news for you. I would be glad, too, if they didn't charge Trump. But how could you be glad if they charge one guy and not the other? It's a blatant case of favoritism. You can't be glad about that. Yes, yes. Ideally, don't charge either one of those guys. But if you charge one, you can't be glad that they did not charge the other. Does that make sense, No. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I will say is the, diff- the only difference, and 
I think essentially they're the same case, but the only dis- difference for Donald Trump is the obstruction of justice, where when they asked for those documents back, he did not give them oh, back. Give me a break. I'm just I'm, telling I'm you beg- that's the I'm difference. I'm begging you to stop. I'm begging you to stop. <laughs> there, is, there is a difference. I'm begging you to stop. No, I hear what you're saying. I mean, it, it, legally, you're right. Like, why didn't he just give them back? Then you know, He the didn't pro- want to. That's why. Okay, so what? <laughs> that's a problem. That's, that's a problem. Why is it a problem? Well, it is a problem for him right now, uh-huh. whereas maybe it would uh-huh. go the same way the Biden oh, case Oh, sure, right. So you think that that was a problem. Not that they, they weren't going to charge him anyway, right, for having classified documents at his house. But by the way, Mar-a-Lago has more Secret Service than the White House. Joe Biden's got stuff out in his garage Literally out in the garage, people walking by, homeless guys taking a piss. There's boxes on Ukraine. I mean, are you nuts? You're going to compare those two situations? Biden didn't even know what he had. He did not. Come on, man. This is completely unfair. Much worse than anything in that document case is what they said about him in the report. Well, that's my other question. If if her is going to say in the report... That he's basically too old and, once again, dementia-ridden to be charged with anything. Well, then how can he be president of the United States? Forget about this year, but four more years. And then Biden to say, my memory is not an issue. I don't have time. Four hours. Four hours. I don't have time to play all the memory gaffes. We've gotten, which we've laughed about for years, when Bernie was still alive, we've laughed about for years all the memory gaffes that Joe Biden has shown us. I got two this week. Two this week. Just a couple of days ago, for example. He actually confused the French president, Macron, with a guy that's been dead since 1996. The guy's dead for 27 years, and he confused the two. Lou Rapino, Joe Biden, cut number one. Right right, right after I was elected, I went to a, what they call a G7 meeting, all the NATO leaders. I was in, I was in the south of England. And I sat down and I said, America's back. And Mitterrand from Germany, I mean from France, looked at me and said, uh, said, you know, I don't why, why, how, how long are you back for? Not come much. on, He's come on, come on. So he mentioned Mitterrand, who again has been dead since 1996 instead of Macron. That was just in Vegas on Sunday. Then yesterday, here's number two this week. You heard it before. Besides the content here, which really upsets me, where Joe Biden once again takes a shot at Bibi Netanyahu and Israel, saying the response in Gaza has been over the top. So again, as I've been saying for months, and I've been the most adamant about it, me and Mark Levin, I think Noam, you would agree with that. Biden has not been a friend to Israel. For every time he says, I'm there for him, he slaps him in the face. Again yesterday, Israel's response is over the top. And in trying to make that point, what does he do? He confuses the Mexican president with the Egyptian president. Here's Joe Biden, cut number two. The conduct of the response in Gaza, in the Gaza Strip, shut up, bitch, has been um, over the top. Yeah, you're over the top. 
douchebag. As you know, initially, the president of Mexico, Sisi, did yep. not want to open up the gate. Try Egypt. Try Egypt, moron. material to get in. Yeah. I talked to him. Oh. I convinced him to open the gate. No kidding. I talked to Bibi to open the gate on the Israeli side. Try Egypt, you stumbling moron. Not Mexico. My God. I hope my sister's listening. I hope all you morons out there that hate Donald Trump with this vigor and passion are listening. You want this guy to continue as president? This is your guy? Now I got guys out there mentioning Robert Kennedy again, that clown? I mean, give me a break. I had to see something yesterday in the New York Daily News. S.E. Cup wrote an editorial that the GOP is in trouble, and they are. The House Republicans, they can't find their ass with their elbow. I get it. But if the GOP is in trouble, what do you call the Democrats? I mean, this is embarrassing. Hello, people of Maui. No, how old are you? 53. And you're a very, very smart, astute guy. You're a news guy. And I mean this sincerely. I'm not, I'm not joking around. I'm not being uh, funny here. You're a smart guy. You're a news guy. You've got a pretty good sense of history. And I know you hate Trump. That's fine. Put that aside. I've never said that to you. You certainly have. Um, so put that aside for a second. Right. And be completely honest with me. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a more embarrassing president than Joe Biden? But, well, this week has been incredible. You, you Wait, left This out, week? Well, you've been the last well, three years. Yeah, but you, you left out one. There's st- he, uh, on Wednesday, he was talking about German Chancellor uh, oh, Am- yes. Angela Merkel or Angela, <laughs> yeah. whatever you want to call her. Yeah. And he kept calling her Helmut Kohl. Yes, Helmut Kohl. Do you have that cut? <laughs> I don't have it. But, oh, we got to get that. So that's that. three times this week that he's right. confused world leaders. That's huge, by the way. I don't think that's a small thing. It's gigantic. It's huge. I've never seen one president do that once. World leaders mixing up Mexico and Egypt, mixing up the living French president with a French president dead for nearly 30 years and the wrong German chancellor. You're right. All in one week. And this guy's going to run for president? Besides the fact that he's a criminal, him, his son, his brother, the amount of money they've taken. And that's why Pete King can talk to these blue in the face. I don't care. I don't trust him. I don't trust Zelensky. I don't trust anything with this Ukraine nonsense. Because as far as I'm concerned, you got a president right now that's compromised. He owes the Ukrainians favors. Is that not fair to say? His uh, kid has made a ton of money from that country for no reason. None. The, the, it does seem odd that he's taken in a lot of money for not a lot of expertise, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you just say it so much nicer than me. I call him a corrupt scumbag, but we're pretty much saying the same thing, aren't we? Sounds like it, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So here's O'Reilly. He's on with uh, Chris Cuomo. And he starts off bad, in my opinion. I'm going to go at Bill later on today. Don't tell me you're happy he wasn't charged. No. You can't be happy when they charged the other guy. You either charge them both or don't charge either one. So in that respect, I think Bill was wrong. But the rest of it, Bill is right on the money. This is courtesy of News Nation and Chris Cuomo Lewis. Bill O'Reilly, cut number six. I'm glad he's not going to be charged. I think this whole thing is, um, yeah, they shouldn't have done it. Trump shouldn't have done it. But does it really matter to the country? No. So I'm glad Biden's not going to be charged. I'm, and the happiest guy in the country tonight is Donald Trump. He's the happiest guy. His poll numbers will rocket now because people believe what they want to believe, Cuomo. But 
this is so damning. This report is so damning. I don't think I've ever seen a report as damning to a sitting president. And I'm writing a book on all the presidents. 345 pages. The book basically says he broke the law. No doubt he did. He knew he was breaking the law. But we're not going to charge him because he's a doddering guy who's probably got dementia. That's the report. Now, if you're the Republican Party, how many commercials are you going to get out of that? It's Mm -hmm. devastating. It is devastating. So you're right when you mention obstruction of justice for Trump. But the bottom line is what I said, what O'Reilly said, Biden broke the law. He broke the law. If you're going to charge one guy, you got to charge the other. That's the bottom line, Noam. Bottom yeah, line. I, I don't disagree with you, but when Americans watch stuff like this, the thing they'll remember is not the document case at all. They'll remember that they called him a senior citizen with a terrible memory. Yeah. And that's the part that is way more, you know, is worse. The worst news he could possibly get yeah, is, you're right. is what everybody thinks about him already. And now these investigators confirming what everybody thought. You are exactly right. All right. So, uh, by the way, before I do take my uh, first break of the day, this um, this goes to show you the the immense popularity I've got all over the world at this point. I, I think I've gone past Imus, to be honest. So um, you guys know that I did three different interviews in Israel last week. JNS.org, Israel National News, there was one other. So the Israel National News story I sent to uh, Trump because, to be honest, a lot of that story was about Trump. And the difference is when Trump was president, the way we treated Israel And the way this guy does now, even just yesterday, again, just yesterday, criticizing Israel's response for, quote, being over the top. So I write the, I did this interview with some guy on Channel 7 and the paper, Israel National News, and I'm going on and on about Trump. How he recognized the Golan Heights as a part of Israel. How after six presidents promised before him they would move the embassy to Jerusalem, he was the only guy to do it. The Abraham Accords with his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, stopped delivering pallets of cash overnight to Palestinians, folks. Yes, ended up in the hands of Hamas, but to Palestinians. But I make this really good argument why Trump is the greatest president ever, especially when it comes to Israel. So would you believe that after Trump held a press conference yesterday, Talking about this uh, Colorado issue, what happened with that, with the Supreme Court, with Colorado, Noam? Uh, the arguments, both sides of the aisle, by the way, watching, you could hear the arguments in front of the Supreme Court said that it went Trump's way. It went Trump's way. Yeah. So Trump's out there uh, talking about this. He goes back inside, goes into his office in Mar-a-Lago. What does he do? He sits down and reads the interview I did with the newspaper in Israel. And moments later, I get a text from Margot Martin, happens to be Trump's beautiful secretary. And on the article, he signs, Sid, you are great, with his iconic Donald Trump signature. So it took Israel National News all of about three hours after Honickman reached out to them to write a big story on the front page this morning which basically reads, former U.S. President Donald Trump responded to Sid Rosenberg's interview with Arut Shiva, Israel National News, by writing, Sid, you were great. 
Rosenberg, host of 77 WABC, sitting friends in the morning. I told you guys, John and Chad, I was going to get you guys all this press all over the world. I was right. Rosenberg, host of 77 WABC's Sitting Friends in the Morning, spoke earlier this week about his decision to come broadcast from Israel precisely during these times and praised the former U.S. president. We go on to talk about all the things that I said about Trump. Following his interview, Rosenberg posted on Facebook, so I did this very comprehensive interview with Israel National News last week when I was in Jerusalem. I was very complimentary towards Donald Trump because the facts are the facts. Granted, I love DJT, but putting that aside, no president has been better to Israel. And then the president, as I said, actually took the time yesterday to sign it and send it back to me, which uh, all you guys, Joe Nolan, Noam, Justin Liu, all uh, said to me, you thought it was very, very cool, right, No, Really cool, yeah. That's my uh, second one in the last two and a half months. You know, two and a half months ago, President Trump was on this show, and he took the show sheet, which you get before you come on. It's it's kind of a, a one-pager with possible interview questions. And then he loved the interview so much with me on the air, he sent that back to me, signed too. So in less than three months, twice now, President Trump has sent something back, signed to me. So where are you storing these? Are you you got a spot in the house? Well, you know what Andrew Giuliani is coming on with me this morning at 8.15 said yesterday? Trump wins. You're going to have a library of this stuff. Yeah. I'm going to have to build like the Rosenberg Library. (laughs) (laughs) Or like a little wing. (laughs) Just make sure it doesn't get flooded ever. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, we'll, uh, we'll talk more about that later, too. Thank you to President Donald Trump. Check out my Instagram this morning at Rosenberg.Sydney at Rosenberg.Sydney my Facebook page, Sid Rosenberg. You can see and read the morning paper in Israel today where I am on the front page. Mike Francesa 645 Curtis Sliwa 715. Judge Andrew Napolitano live in studio 745 Andrew Giuliani 815, Dove Hyken, 845, Bill O'Reilly, 915, Joe Tacopina, 935. Monster Friday show, folks. Keep it right here with me, Sid, on 77 WABC. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Now, yesterday and today, our theater's been jammed with newspapermen and hundreds of photographers from all over the nation, and these veterans agree with me that the city never has witnessed the excitement stirred by these youngsters from Liverpool who call themselves the Beatles. Now, tonight, you're going to twice be entertained by them. Right now, and again in the second half of our show, ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles! Close your eyes and I'll kiss you
Tuesday or Wednesday, I forget it, was the 60-year anniversary that the Beatles landed at Kennedy Airport. We should ask Joe Biden today if he could name the four Beatles. Those memory issues. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Uh, Jack, 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 uh, Jack. Ray. 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 So they landed at Kennedy 60 years ago, a couple of days ago. But uh, this I, Sunday, I, Super Bowl I, Sunday. I killed a Beatle. <laughs> will be the 60-year anniversary of the Beatles appearing as uh, Lou just played on the Ed Sullivan Show. You know, right before, in the beginning of the show, I just saw this a little tidbit that Dead Sullivan uh, announces. So the Beatles are, uh, are backstage, ready to go. And a nice thing happened uh, this afternoon. Colonel Tom Parker and Elvis, Elvis yeah. had sent a message to them, welcoming them no to the United States and yeah. uh, wishing them good luck when they That's got nice. there. It was kind of a That's cool, cool. Colonel yeah. Tom Parker, played uh, in brilliant fashion by Tom Hanks. In the movie about Elvis, what was the name of that? Uh, Butler, right? He did a great job. What's his first name, Butler? Butler. He played Elvis. Yeah, he played Elvis two years ago. He won like every, maybe last year, he won every award. He was great. Was, uh, Austin. Austin Butler. Thank no, you very much. It was Rhett Butler. I, I remember he, uh, he was a neighbor. And uh, he, he uh, oh, Mac, Macron called yeah. me and told Macron. me. One thing about uh, Biden, my, uh, my friend Lynn Hart made this point. Uh, know him. You talk about obstruction of justice, there is a little difference, blah, it's all nonsense. It's the same thing. They both did the same exact thing. But here's the difference. When Joe Biden did it, he was the vice president. What does that mean, Noam? That he was the vice president? Yeah, I, what does that mean? I don't know what you mean by Okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you what I mean. Okay. That means that if he's got classified documents in his garage where guys are walking by taking a piss, can he declassify them as the vice president? Uh, I don't think so. No, the answer is no. Not you don't think so. The answer is no. Uh, Donald Trump classified documents because he was president, not the vice president. When he took these documents, could he declassify these documents? He could. Okay. So there's a major difference right there. These are not documents Biden took since he's been president. He's got documents he took, first of all, when he was a senator. They didn't even address that in this. But as VP, you cannot declassify those. Trump can, if he wants to. There is no difference, none. Again, the political bias in this country. I'm going to play it again. Why not? I'll play it ten times today. Cut number five, Jim Comey. You know, in both cases, Jim Comey talked about what Hillary did was bad. You know, yesterday, this guy, her, actually said that Joe Biden put our national security at risk. He said that, Noam. That's a big deal. And yet, 
because he's an old, doddering fool and a nice man. We're not going to charge him. Here's Comey again, getting all the way back to July of 2016, just months before Donald Trump beat her to win the election, talking about Hillary Clinton. Although there is evidence of potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information, our judgment is that no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. Which is, of course, not true, Jim Comey. Anyway, we're going to do a lot more on this uh, Biden stuff. we got great guests stopping by, Judge Napolitano, Andrew Giuliani, Bill O'Reilly. We're going to talk about all of it. But uh, there is a big game coming up on Sunday, a big one, Super Bowl 58 from Las Vegas. For the second time in four years, we're going to see a matchup of Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs taking on Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. The only difference is, I mentioned this a couple of times this week, Christian McCaffrey is now on San Francisco. He was not four years ago. He was on Carolina, and the quarterback for the Niners back then was Jimmy Garoppolo, and now it's second-year sensation Brock Purdy. But it's the same matchup, and we talked to the sports pope, part of the legendary Mike and the Mad Dog combination at WFAN, far and away, far and away the best sports talk show ever. Mike Francesa was here yesterday. We're going to replay that now, coming up, getting you ready for Sunday's big game. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, dot com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best built boilers. Locally, we were winless on the hardwood last night with both the Knicks and the Nets coming away with losses at the Garden. The Knicks fell 122 to 108 to the Dallas Mavericks. Thanks to Luka Doncic's 39 points, Dante DiVincenzo stayed red hot and scored 36 for the Knicks, who've lost two of three following a nine-game winning streak. OG Anunobi, he had a uh, surgery yesterday to have a loose bone fragment removed from his right elbow, and he'll be reevaluated in three weeks' time. The Knicks sent four players to the Detroit Pistons before yesterday's trade deadline in the deal for Bojan Bogdan, uh, Bogdanovic and Alec Burks, leaving them just eight available players for last night's game. That number turned into seven after Isaiah Hartenstein, who has played well as Robinson's replacement at center, sat out the second half of the shore left Achilles tendon. Out in Brooklyn, Donovan Mitchell and the Cleveland Cavaliers handled the Nets pretty easily. Final score there, 118-95. to Mikhail Bridges led Brooklyn with 26 points in its third straight loss. Cam Thomas added 17. The Nets have lost each of their three meetings against Cleveland this season. They were busy yesterday at the trade deadline. They sent Spencer Dinwiddie to Toronto for... Dennis Schroeder and Thaddeus Young and moved Royce O'Neal to Phoenix for Kata Bates-Diop, Jordan Goodwin, and two second-round picks. They also acquired the rights to uh, Vanja Marinkovic from Memphis. A lot of Minkoviches today. On the ice in Elmont last night, Matthew Barzal and Bo Horvat each had a goal and an assist of the New York Islanders surge past the Tampa Bay Lightning 6-2. And out in Jersey, the Devils ended up on the losing end of things, falling 5-3 to to the Calgary Flames. And before the Kansas City Chiefs and San uh, San Francisco 49ers meet at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas for Super Bowl 58 on Sunday at 6 
6.30 on CBS, where the Niners currently stand as one-and-a-half-point favorites. The best of the NFL gathered at the Resorts World Theater for yesterday's NFL Honors. Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson secured his second MVP award after winning it in 2019. San Francisco star running back Christian McCaffrey won Offensive Player of the Year. Houston Texans rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud won Offensive Rookie of the Year. Cleveland Browns defensive end Miles Garrett won his first Defensive Player of the Year award. Texans defensive end Will Anderson Jr. won Defensive Rookie of the Year. Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski was voted Coach of the Year for the second time and Cleveland quarterback Joe Flacco was comeback player of the year. Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavaneTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GobbleLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to DigitalDollarReport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. My next guest, when you talk about legendary sports talkers, he's at the very top of the list, part of that legendary Mike and the Mad Dog combination all those years at WFAN. Now does his own podcast, brought to you by Bet Rivers, the Mike Francesa podcast, and he is the great, and I mean the great, Mike Francesa. Mike, uh, good uh, good Super Bowl week Thursday morning. How are you, buddy? Good, Sid. How are you? Um, and that was a terrible take because although the Chiefs, had a bad patch in the season, and they did. They were in a very easy division. They were never not going to make the playoffs. They were locked into the playoffs from early in the season on. So they were, had a chance to fix their problems, and they did. They fixed the problems they had to fix, and they've taken probably as hard a road here to the Super Bowl as any team has ever taken because they have to go to Buffalo and win and have to go to Baltimore, which was the most talented team in the league this year, and win. And that was a physical, nasty game. It shows you the road they've taken. The San Francisco road has been the complete opposite. They've been home against two teams they should have beaten. They should have lost to Green Bay. And they were down 24-7 to the Lions before they snapped uh, into it with a big run of 27 straight points in the second half. So San Francisco's looked very shaky 
in the postseason, and the Chiefs have been very impressive in the postseason. That's why I'm surprised that the Niners are a two-point favorite. I, uh, oh, I, 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 yeah. I really am. I think that it's a bad line. I think you're getting a couple of points. I thought it should be Pickham. Listen, the Niners have a lot of numbers based on their regular season dominance. They were very dominant in the regular season. Their offense is incredibly explosive. But what's going to make this game fascinating, uh, Sid, is this. I believe that Spags, who is uh, Spagnuolo, is a very good defensive coordinator for the Chiefs. They have a very good young defense. They have a lot of very good young players behind Chris Jones. They are going to take away McCaffrey. They are going to say, listen, Purdy's going to beat us or you're not going to win. We are going to make you put the ball in Purdy's hands. They're going to bring, I think, they're going to load the box. They're going to put six and seven guys in the box. They are going to take away the running game. They're not going to let San Francisco run the ball and then play action off the run. They are going to make them throw the ball to win. And I think it'll be very interesting to see how good Purdy is. We'll learn really how good Purdy is. And we don't know yet how good Purdy is. That's a good point. And you talk about the defense. I'm glad you brought that up, Mike. And uh, Spagnolo, of course, giant fans are very familiar. He won a Super Bowl with us here working for Tom Coughlin. But that chief defense against both Allen and Lamar Jackson has been great. We talk a lot about Mahomes and Kelsey and all that. But the chief defense is really why they're here. And uh, listen, Brock Purdy, great young quarterback. He's had great success. But he has not won that big one. He lost the one to the Eagles last year. Mahomes continues to win big games. I find it almost disrespectful to make the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes at this point an underdog because you'd have to agree in the last, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years, the Kansas City Chiefs at this point are, are, are falling into uh, that, that conversation about one of the all-time great teams. No? No question. So the, the, the Chiefs, and when you think Chiefs, you're talking coach quarterback. That's the in the NFL coach quarterback. So you're talking Reed Mahomes. They are on the verge of immortality. If they win this game, they are both immortals. Now they might get there anyway. Andy Reed's already second most winning as coach in postseason history. He's won two Super Bowls, which gives him the credibility he needed. He's already won 25 play, uh, postseason games. The bottom line is they are on the verge of being one of the dominant teams in the history of the sport. If they win another Super Bowl here, that's three in a very short amount of time. That is a dynasty, and that's what we're looking at. Mahomes has a lot of career left. And you don't know if a guy's going to get to the Super Bowl, always go to Dan Marino. His second year, he lost to Montana. Everyone said, ah, you'll be back ten times. He never got back. He never went back to another Super Bowl you know, in the, the, his the, life. There's a funny story about that that you just mentioned, Mike. I'm glad you did because I worked in Miami for 16 years, as you know. They were actually in the limousine after the game, right? So it's Marino in the back of the car, and he's got Nat Moore and Jimmy Seppolo. And, and the guy, Marino, goes to Seppolo. He goes, why do you look so down? And Jimmy goes, oh, we just lost the Super Bowl, Dan. And Dan goes, to your point, don't worry, we'll be back. And they never got back. And a guy as good as Marino, and Marino was as good as any. Listen, people judge quarterbacks by how many Super Bowls they win, which is a little ridiculous because no one can tell you that there's been better quarterbacking than Dan Marino. Dan Marino was as good as anybody who ever played. Agreed. He just didn't win a Super Bowl. Dan Fouts was a great quarterback. He didn't win a Super Bowl. It happens. The bottom line is, though, it's very hard, and you don't know what Mahomes' life is going to be, nor do I. And the bottom line is he'll have a, a drought. We know that'll happen. That's football. But the bottom line is he has a chance to win three, and three is immortality as a coach, 
it puts you on the highest level. As a quarterback, it puts you on the highest level. So they are on the verge of complete immortality. And here's the thing about this game, which you mentioned when you talked about Kansas City not being favored. Kansas City has the better defense. Kansas City has the better coaching staff. Kansas City has the better quarterback, and they have, by a wide margin, the better kicker. That's a lot. Yeah. You're asking the San Francisco offense to dominate the game. Otherwise, you have to like Kansas City in this game. They're better in every other area. That's a great point. They really are, unless unless you're buying into Nick Bosa. I mean, if Nick Bosa can uh, take right. care of Jawan Taylor and make Mahomes miserable, to me, that's their better chance. Look, the Niners are not well, going to score a lot of points. Chance, really. right. You're right. They have to embarrass the Kansas City tackles, who are not great. And that's something they may have to adjust to. And and I'm sure they've spent a lot of the week figuring how and Kansas City's gonna have penalties. Their right tackle is a flag machine, we know that. Okay. The bottom line though is their offensive line is pretty good. It was really good when their left guard was healthy and when he's not healthy. Allegretti's gonna play there. It's a little bit of a weakness. The bottom line is they're still good on the offensive line. They're very good in a couple of spots. They're a little weak in a couple of spots. They have a deficiency at the tackle compared to San Francisco's edge rushes. But they will exploit the edge rushes, Kansas City, by making them the rush hurt them. Because all those guys are is pin your ears back and rush guys. And they have to get there. If they don't get there, if Mahomes is getting the ball off, or if they are taking that away with their play calling, then I think San Francisco's in big trouble. San Francisco has to outscore Kansas City to win this game. Kansas City can actually win the game with their kicking game and their defense and their quarterback making the stellar plays you know he will make at times during the game. That's enough for them to win. San Francisco has to be a machine offensively. Otherwise, they're going to lose the game. And Shanahan's got ghosts in this game. And ghosts show up in this game. He was the coordinator at 28-3 with the lead against the Falcons, which was the greatest collapse I've ever seen in sports and was the dumbest coaching I've ever seen from a sideline in my entire life. If you had locked the guys in a room, the Falcons would have won the Super Bowl by two touchdowns. They were ridiculously bad in their decision-making. And then he had a 2010 lead over the Chiefs a couple of years ago in Miami. And... I was at that game with my with my boys and with Julio. We were at the game. He's a big Niner fan. My son Harrison's a big Kansas City fan, so they both were going back and forth. And the Chiefs exploded for three touchdowns in the last nine minutes to go away and win 31-20. So he's had a couple of tough Super Bowl experiences that he's got to overcome, and he's had a lot of Super Bowl success now in recent years. And that plays. It really does. Yeah. Mahomes is going to be cool under pressure. You're not going to shake Mahomes. You might beat him up, but you're never going to shake him. Uh, we don't know that about Purdy and Shanahan yet. Andy Reid, it's funny now, Mike. You know, you think back to that. I was there in Jacksonville with Matt Deutsch. I was hosting the midday show with Tony McDonald. It was the year before Beningo joined me. And it was at uh, Eagle Patriot Super Bowl, of course, where right. Donovan McNair was. Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, McNair yeah. was throwing up in the fourth quarter. Yeah, T.O. had a broken leg. throwing up in, in, in the huddle, which we didn't yeah. know. But they, that was the strangest game. If you go back on a Super Bowl, that game doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. How badly they called that game and how weird they were with the ball and the way they melted the clock and everything else. It was, it, you wonder what went 
went on there. I, I don't think we still know the complete story of what, what happened there, what happened to McNabb in that huddle. Yeah. But the bottom line is they lost a three-point game, and Andy couldn't win the big one in Philadelphia. And Kansas City was smart enough to keep him unemployed for two hours and then hire him, and look what he's done in Kansas City. They couldn't win a playoff game for 20 years, and now they are a machine, okay? Now they are the Patriots West. Yeah, they are. And they, yeah. and they continue yeah. to win year after year, and they are a fixture in this game now. I love that, Patriots West. This is uh, the great Mike Francesa. Check out his podcast, Mike Francesa Podcast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Now, listen, Mike, I, sports, uh, to me, at this point, is such a great release, especially with what I do every day. I talk four hours about some of the biggest issues issues in the city and across the world. So you need sports. So when I want to have a conversation comparing guys, you know what really annoys me? Don't do that. You can't compare the eras. Now, look, I'm not going to compare Mahomes to Bobby Lane, okay, or Otto Graham. I get that. But over the last 25 or 30 years, I think it's fun to do stuff like that. And while you're mentioning Andy Reid and the success he's had winning the big one in Kansas City, Bill Belichick just left. According to Boomer, it was uh, actually the Falcons offered Belichick a contract. He said, no, thank you. But he's still widely considered right now, uh, not widely, but maybe the greatest coach of all time, maybe moving ahead of guys like Landry and Shula Brown, the rest of them. Where do you put Andy Reid on the list of all-time great coaches? Andy Reid's right there. He's a great offensive coach, and his level of consistency year after year, you look how many times – and this is what great coaching is about. Listen, you're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days in the postseason. You're going to have heartbreak. If you play in enough Super Bowls, you're going to lose some. That's just part of it. I mean, Belichick's lost some heartbreaking games, and he should have lost more. He won a couple that he stole. He stole the Seattle one. He stole the Atlanta one. So the, he could easily have two more losses. The Giants broke his heart twice. Uh, so the bottom line is it can happen to anybody there in the one game. But when you look at guys who can churn out, 12 wins, 12 wins, 11 wins, 12 wins, year after year. Go look at how many years Andy Reid between Philadelphia and Kansas City has won double digits. He's won double digits almost every year of his career. That's great coaching. The guy's a tremendous coach. He ranks right with the top. I mean, you're not going to put him above the best. I believe that the two greatest coaches of all time, and Belichick isn't one of them, okay, are – Lombardi, who is the greatest coach and the greatest motivator, and only lost one playoff game in his life, his first championship game, and you know the whole thing, nine yards short, we will never finish nine yards short again. They never lost another game in the playoffs. He was nine in one lifetime. He won 90% of his playoff games. He won every game, big game he had after 1960, the rest of his career. I don't think anybody touches him. Paul Brown is second because he was the innovator of everything that's in modern football, was developed by Paul Brown. He's the most brilliant football mind of all time. There's no debating that. And then you put guys in after that. That's where Belichick is. Belichick ranks with Tom Landry. He ranks with all of them. And they're a great coach. You can take the guy you like. You might like Joe Gibbs. You might like Parcells. You might like Walsh. It doesn't matter. They're all great coaches. They're all great, great coaches. I mean, there's no difference between Belichick and Parcells. As a matter of fact, if you gave me one game and asked me to coach the one game, I would say, let me see what I have on the field, and then I'll tell you whether I take Parcells or Belichick. i tell you right now, I might take Parcells. Well, let me say this. He was a great one-game coach, too. So he was. There's so many great coaches. Belichick is an amazing coach for two reasons. He changed the game dramatically. What Belichick left as his, his symbol and what is that he gave the game was this. Before Belichick, teams played a certain way. 
the purple people eaters were the purple people eaters. The Cowboys were the multi-flex offense and the flex defense. The Bears were the monsters of the midway. You had one way of playing, and that was it. Belichick decided, no, we're going to play this week against that opponent, and we're going to design our game plan and be that team. Maybe we're four wide this week. Maybe next week we line up with a jumbo set and we run the ball 50 times. The bottom line is he now made it a week-to-week game, and now everybody does that. And that's what he changed in the sport dramatically. He changed that. He brought that into the sport. He innovated a lot of things. A lot of things that are done in the fourth quarter were all developed by Belichick. I can go into the chapter and verse with you if we had enough time. He's a brilliant, brilliant coach. He he deserves to be in the top five but I can play devil's advocate here for a second, and yeah. uh, here's where you're going to gobble me up, and I'm ready for that. I'm okay yeah. with that. Uh, Parcells won in a bunch of different places, okay? Uh, right. You know, Belichick had the one double-digit win sin in Cleveland. I get that. Then he goes to New England. Now, now, listen, he had Lawrence Taylor when he coached the Giant defense. He goes to New England. Uh, Mike, since Tom Brady's left, he's nine games under 500. So he had Taylor with the Giants. He had Brady with the Patriots. You remove those guys. Not a ton of success. Are we overrating Bill Belichick? No. Sid, listen, if you go through all of them, they all had great players. Landry lost Super Bowls when he wasn't smart enough to play Roger Starbuck at quarterback, okay? Uh, he played Craig Morton in a game instead of Starbuck, which you look back on and say, what are you, out of your mind? Okay? His own players were telling him, Tom, play the other guy. He didn't like that he broke the plays, so he didn't play him because he would not stay to the game plan, and he liked to improvise. And Landry wasn't ready for his improvisation, so he didn't play him. You, all players have great players. Walsh had great players. Gibbs is amazing because he won with three different quarterbacks. So three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. And by the way, almost had four. If Jake Schrader yeah, beats it, the Giants, he could have I mean, had four. Gibbs is, an, is a great coach, a great coach. I mean, so, and Walsh, I mean, all of them, they're all great coaches in their own regard. But you're not going to win without talent. And the thing, here's what Belichick has done. He's been exceedingly stubborn. and he did not allow other people's opinions to help him. He is not good at picking skilled position players on offense. He is not at a good he does not have a good eye for quarterbacks. He does not have a good eye for wide receivers. The bottom line is he's a brilliant tactician. He's a great defensive coach. He's a brilliant special teams mind. He is not a great offensive mind. That's not his yeah. thing. He's great at stopping offenses, right. but he doesn't pick players well, and he has not picked players well in New England, and they were left without any talent. Well, enough, uh, fair enough on the way out then. Mike, I love Belichick, by the way. I just wanted to see what you were going to say, because you know the history of this league better than anybody. So, Listen, uh, I think he, they're, they're all good, and they all have weaknesses. Yes. But, uh, to me, when they say the greatest coach undisputed, he's not. He, I give him great credit for his longevity, which is amazing, but to me, there's only one Lombardi that's why his name's on the trophy. Fair enough. Although Chuck Noll, by the way, was 4 0, but he had oh, 18 brilliant. Hall of Famers. Yeah. Again, uh, a brilliant coach <laughs> who gets left in between the cracks. But yeah, yeah, he does. Absolutely. Four games, four wins. But you know what? Look how many Hall of Famers he had on that team. I, I mean, mean, the whole uh, team was Hall of Famers. The whole team on offense and defense. You're right. So, on the way out, based upon the majority of this discussion, it's easy to figure out, Mike, that you like the Chiefs. Uh, I don't want to. Well, I've been on the Chiefs. I've been on the Chiefs against the Bills, and I held my breath. I was on the Chiefs against the Ravens, even though I think the Ravens were the best team. And let's be honest, if Flowers doesn't get stupid and first get the penalty and then fumble the ball on the way into the end zone, if that's a touchdown, I think Baltimore's here. And Baltimore 
is was ferociously talented. Ferociously talented. They killed the Chiefs in the second half. The Chiefs couldn't get a first down in the second half. They basically held on for dear life. Uh, so the best team doesn't always win. I don't think the best team is here. But the teams that are here... I think Kansas City gets the edges, and I think they'll win a close game. Uh, huge to have you here on this uh, Thursday, Mike, just a couple of days before this big Super Bowl. I can't thank you enough. You know, I love you. Thank you very much. My it means a lot to me. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Bye. All right. Take care. There he is, the great Mike Francesa. Check out his podcast, the Mike Francesa Podcast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Night coming up tomorrow night. We're going to honor me at the Fifth Avenue Synagogue. Two hundred strong. It'll be great. They have musical acts, magician, all kinds of cool stuff. Some big time speakers: Lizzie Sabetsky, Dove Hyken, the UN ambassador to Israel, my friend um, Erdan. He's going to speak tomorrow night. I believe it's going to be Erdan who's going to hand me the very prestigious Guardian of Israel Award that I'm getting tomorrow. So it's a, a big deal. Dolph Hyken will join me coming up at 8.40 this morning. Hopefully Bill O'Reilly, Joe Beningo in the 9 o'clock hour. Andrew Giuliani, Judge Napolitano. So a great test list the rest of the way. But we started with the man. Well, we didn't start it with the man. We did have the Mike Francesa interview again moments ago. But our first live guest today is the man, the icon, the legend, the great Mr. Guardian Angel. Folks, let you know the Guardian Angels. We're about to celebrate 45 years. That's pretty amazing. He's the host of the Rip and Read Noon Every Weekday, which is the second highest rated show next to me. That's a fact. Also hosts Overnight Weekends. Does a great job here. I just want to say this. I I got a um, an alert yesterday from the New York Daily News. And, and I hate the Daily News. I hate it. For some reason, my wife must have done it. I don't know. I get alerts on my phone, you know. This uh, ass munch, Mike Lupica who writes the most obvious stories ever. After the Knicks made these uh, trades yesterday, Lupica goes, the Knicks are now a contender. No kidding, Mike. Oh, you're, you're all over it, Mike Lupica. <laughs> but I get this uh, this alert from the Daily News, and it says Curtis Saliba with a half apology 
for whatever happened on the Sean Hannity show in Times Square. They they said, I guess, that you guys beat up somebody you thought he was a an immigrant or a migrant, I should say, and he wasn't. What What is the real story behind all that? Well, the real story is, in fact, it's posted on uh, all my social networking. You'll see the young lady, Guardian Angel. She looked uh, beat up to me. Yeah, well, she was uh, attacked by one guy who ended up getting arrested by the police. She happens to be a Mexican Muslim uh, who's with our Bay Ridge Patrol. Uh, and as a result of that, the Guardian Angels ended up taking the guy down. Now, I misspoke. He was not a migrant. Uh, bad on me. But if you notice, the area Times Square that we're patrolling is out of control. Look at uh, Noam Laden last night. If you could ask Noam to chime in real quick. Uh, Noam, uh, jump in here for one second. Uh, Curtis wants to ask you about last night. Noam, sure. Uh, Noam, uh, as I was uh, walking through Times Square yesterday, uh, police were everywhere. Uh, migrants had gone into this um, store, which was right next to where we did the broadcast from. Yeah. Right next, I right mean, there, a yeah. few hundred yards. Do me a favor, the rest of this conversation, stop referring to them as migrants. Please call them what they really are, illegals. But uh, what what transpired, uh, Norm Lane? Because I've been warning about 42nd Street being out of control. Yes, yeah, sporting goods store. These three men are inside the sporting goods store. They're trying, allegedly trying to shoplift something. A security guard stops them. And when the security guard stops them, one of these guys pulls out a gun, fires a shot in her direction, misses, hits a Brazilian tourist. Then they three of them race out of the store. Uh, the same gunman firing at the cops who are chasing him. He's able to get away. Cops covered the other two guys. One of those guys is a migrant who's living in a shelter nearby. All right, so here's, here's the story, okay? These migrants, these illegals, we were told good people coming here to work, don't bother them. And I was the first one to yell at Johnny Tobacco months ago. Uh, not at him. He didn't do anything wrong. But when other Staten Island residents were yelling at migrants, illegals coming off the bus, I said, don't do that. But what have we seen between King's Plaza in Brooklyn, home invasions in Bell Harbor, beating up cops in Times Square, gunshots at a retail store wait, in Times Square? Wait, that same retail store? No, I'm letting you left out another part of the story. Migrants walked in there and had stolen credit cards yes. and tried to buy property. Am I right, right on that? That is uh, true. No, no, the just the day thing. before. Just the day before. So yeah. they, they've got don't, a whole don't you understand? So wait, so wait. So it, why? So instead of making you a pissed, well, I'm pissed off now, okay? I'm pissed off with Biden as it is. But this old, doddering piece of garbage doesn't get charged. My friend Trump does. it. did the same exact thing. Why do you have to apologize when the truth is... You, they should make a statue of you no, no, and put no. me. You were the one who told us this was going to happen. Sid, I, I, there's no doubt I was the Paul Revere. I led and others followed. I predicted uh, what a disaster this would be because there's no enforcement. you got to understand, in these migrant shelters, old hotels in Times Square, including where that guy was uh, living at our expense, uh, normally in the Statler Arms, the former McDonald's on 42nd Street, the old Milford Plaza, which is now New York Road, there's no metal detectors, there's no wands, there's no pat-downs, no searches. you got to understand, sit in a normal shelter for our Americans, mostly African-Americans, some of them veterans. Yeah. 
They have to be in by 10 o'clock. There's a curfew. I know. They have to walk through a metal detector. They're wanded. They're patted down once a week. Sometimes the Department of Homeless Security guards go through and they check all their personal items to make sure they don't have weapons, that they don't have drugs, booze. None of that is done at these migrant locations. So, look, attack me. Uh, I'm just a messenger. I've been ahead of this. Look at 42nd Street now. Now, if you think that what happened last night with a Brazilian tourist getting shot right there on 42nd and Broadway is going to encourage people to come or discourage people well, to come. Well, it's funny you say that because I was on OAN yesterday. You know that network, right? So um, it's a very, very good conservative television network, OAN. And I was on with uh, Stella Escobedo, who's very, very good. She's terrific. She's on at 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock every afternoon. And the first story she ran with me was safety in New York City. We went on to talk about Israel, Trump, all of it, but she played a clip of the mayor. You talk about people apologizing. You shouldn't apologize, Curtis. You know who should apologize? Eric Adams, Kathy Hochul, Mayorkas, Joe Biden. They should apologize for ruining our cities, our states, and our country. But anyway, she plays a clip where Adams said, to your point, this is two days ago Adams said this, that New York is back. But the crime numbers are all down. And how does he know that? Because the tourists are coming once again in big numbers. So you just said, why would people come here if somebody got shot on 42nd Street? But the mayor said two days ago, tourism is doing great. Look, look, I'm doing my part. If they're all angry at me, hire more cops. Remember, they defunded the police department under de Blasio by a billion dollars. They never put the money back. They never refunded the police. We don't have enough police officers. You're going to be having dinner with Michael Kemper, the transit police commissioner, and he has to answer for the question. He didn't do anything wrong. Eric Adams last week in his weekly press conference said we ran out of money to have transit police officers. Yeah, because you're giving it to the migrants. Right. Well, it's not Mike Kemper. By the way, the dinner is Tuesday. Right, but it's easy. The, the <laughs> crime is up because we don't have transit cops. And the mayor's answer was, quote, I'm, I'm not saying that he said it. We ran out of money. Yeah. And also, uh, the, obviously, his experiment with Robbie Robot didn't work. <laughs> yeah. He put Robbie Robot on the shelf. Which you said, too, I'll never forget, it was uh, Thanksgiving. And uh, every year Thanksgiving, John and Margot Katsimatidis, God bless their souls. I mean this. They hand out turkeys to homeless people. So we go to the same church every year. I think it's called the St. John's Church. It's right by Madison Square Garden. St. Francis. St. Francis. So that day, um, Curtis says, come with me. And I love traveling with Curtis because he always has these great stories about New York. So I did. We took the train together. And uh, now let me just tell you, when Curtis goes on the train, the greetings he gets from African-American people is over the top. So we get to the uh, the, the, the subway uh, station, and there's the robot. And what's by the robot? Two cops. Two cops were assigned, you can't make this up, to guard the robot, which defeats the purpose because the idea was the robot would mean less police. We were paying tax-paying money to officers to stand there with their hand down their pants watching a robot. Said you can tell all my many critics, you don't have to deal with me and the Guardian Angels patrolling if you just hire more cops and let the trained professional police officers do it. You defunded the police. You took a billion dollars out of their budget when de Blasio was mayor. Remember, Sid, it was never put back. 
It was never, you don't all of a sudden just create that. Recruitment is down. Our numbers of police officers are down. Uh, in transit, crime is up. And what's the reason we ran out of money to pay the transit police? Well, where did the money go? To house the migrants, to feed the migrants, to give them everything that many African Americans down on their luck don't get. Look at these snap cards. Is that ridiculous? A thousand dollars worth of food? But anyway, let me, let me change over. Dr. Sidney Rosenberg, you were the only one to nail it. Now, three months ago, I've been itching up a storm nonstop, two hours at a doctor's yesterday, a dermatologist. Look at all this. <laughs> Can Look I ask at you all a question? I, I, I understand why you have medication. Yes. But um, do you mind explaining the big, big jar of Vaseline? Yes. It's not for what you think it is. <laughs> I have to slather myself. Oh my God. Because the rashes that I have erupt and they're so angry that it's the only thing that temporarily calms them before we can figure what, 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 out how what, to knock it out. That works better than spraying Benadryl? I know Benadryl burns. I've but done it all. None of it works. You saw uh, all the bags yeah. full of stuff. You were the only one who nailed it from day one. That's why. Your mother and father were so right. They wanted you, like all Jewish young boys, to yeah. be a doctor. In fact, when you're at the Fifth Avenue uh, Synagogue on uh, Saturday night, by the way, the head of security, there's a longtime guardian angel, GQ. This is what he does, his profession. And you're going to be there. Yes. You're yes. going to speak. You're one of the speakers. That's right. But I am going to say this man should have been a doctor, <laughs> should have honored the wishes of his beloved mother and beloved father. Yeah. Like all young Jewish boys and yeah. girls, when the mothers and fathers and the baby and the uh, Zedis and the boobies <laughs> say, oh, you got to either be a doctor <laughs> yeah. or a lawyer. That's true. Your wife turned out to be the lawyer. Could you imagine if you were Dr. Oh, Sidney Rosenberg? I think my mom is taking the number one radio host thing pretty good. Uh, you could have been a proctologist. <laughs> <laughs> I deal with assholes every day. Uh, uh, I want, before I get to the uh, Super Bowl. Oh, oh, can I say one more thing? Biden? Is it about Biden? Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, look, we're really in bad shape. We are? Well, mean, wait a second. You, 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 Curtis Lee, you son of a bitch, I love you like a brother. You never Trumper? Now we're in bad shape. You want Trump now, no, Curtis? No, no, no. no. You want I, Trump I was now? Never a, I was never a Bidenite. Now, let me explain. You want Trump now? Okay, let me explain, Sid. Yeah. I saw this with my grandfather, Fidel Bianghino, who was, uh, like, along with my father, my mentors. He remembered everything. Everything. And I think I inherited my memory from my father and my grandfather. You got a great memory. I saw Fidel Bianchino degrade in front of me. Yeah. He couldn't remember what he had for breakfast that moment. He used to have this simple yeah. breakfast. Mm-hmm. He would have a cup with Cheerios in it, yeah. and he had the Medallia Doro coffee with one little <laughs> egg in it. That was it. Yeah. Simple. Sid, he couldn't remember that. He couldn't I remember so many other things. I'm sorry about your grandfather, but I will not allow you yes. to turn Joe Biden no. into a sympathetic no, 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 figure. No, 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 no. I'm saying he's got to go. Look. He had the Trinity, the Troika, the trifecta in one week of forget, uh, forgetfulness. Helmut Kohl instead of Angela Merkel. Uh, Mitterrand instead of Mac- Macron. Mitterrand's been dead for 27 years. And Mexican leader <laughs> instead of the Egyptian leader, Zazi. Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, I, I know what the hell I'm doing, he said. He's screaming at me, boy. No, he doesn't. Look, 25th, right? 25th Amendment has got to be put into force. They got to take him out. Right? 
Your worst fear, though, may come about because of that. Michelle Obama? Michelle Obama and no. Gruesome Newsom from I California. Know. As I know. Advice. But look, for I... the country, it had, look, if you're foreign leaders and you heard all of this and you heard the report of the special counselor, that this dimension goes back to when he was vice president. It was even before then. I got news for you. This guy has been that way for years. And again, I would have some sympathy if he wasn't the most corrupt, crooked president, oh his family, no good, his brother, his son. This this is my biggest fear. Yeah. Open borders. Yeah. Terrorists around the world yeah. who want to clean our clock come to New York City and run the table for the third time after the two attacks at the World Trade They're Center. They're already here. No, I know. I know, but... But now they got they got a couple of months before Trump wins to come in more numbers is what oh, you're saying. God. But in order in order to try to do that, first we got to elect Mozzie, not Slazzy. I, I heard very bad things about Mozzie today. No. That poll, that poll. No, no, no. But what? Newsday, Siena. I, I mean, know. how hopelessly left can you be? She is within the margin. Assume yeah, it's but, but, here, but here's what annoys me. And I love Mozzie, and you're doing a great job. You, Peter King, all I'm you guys. I'm going out there all weekend. I'm sure. But here's the point, damn it. We can't afford to lose this seat. We just can't. And the truth is, she's in the margin of error for losing, okay? And we should have left George Santos exactly I where he was. This is such nonsense. Who gives a rat's ass that he paid somebody's money for All Botox? Right. But, Sid, it is what it was done was done. I'm dedicating my weekend in addition to broadcasting here and so many other things. I'm going to be out in the areas that you are concerned with. Whitestone and Northeast Queens. I am concerned. Uh, I am going to be out there. I'm going to be campaigning for Mozzie. I'm going to be running myself right into the can, ground. Can you tell me why those areas are uh, going to vote for Swazi? No. No, Whitestone won't. Remember, that's Vicky Palladino's right, area. Right. Uh, Northeast Queens, that's a toss-up. That's by Creedmoor. I am going to spend time there. Look, the people appreciate the fact that I led the campaign to try to stop the tents and the migrants from being put in there. And you remember uh, Congressman Peter King, who I'm working with in solidarity. Now, you, we, we have a love-hate relationship. <laughs> yeah. But he, remember, and Al D'Amato made up with me after 20 years at the Columbus Day Parade. Remember, at the start of the broadcast, he said, Curtis, we've been at odds. We've had a lot of battles. But you, by by holding the line at Creedmoor, has prevented the migrants from coming into Nassau County. How about that? Bruce Blakeman, who said, no, no, no migrants in Nassau County. He appreciated what I did. And the fact is, is that if you have Swazi, he hates ICE. He kicked ICE out his own words, like Andrew Evil Lights Cuomo, who called them thugs, thugs. I'll sue them, thugs. Yeah. Without ICE, the, the borders are letting in people, and the only ones who know who they are, who have done photo recognition technology. There are two million people worldwide on the terror watch list, and our own NYPD is not plugged in to the ICE computer. Not because the cops don't want to, they want to. But they're prevented from doing it by de Blasio's uh, edict. And Eric Adams carries it on. Hoko also, Swazi. I'm going to be out all weekend for Mozzie. Come on out. You'll see me out there. Northeast Queens near Creedmoor. And obviously right in Whitestone. All right. Great job, Curtis. I need you out there. You can help her uh, deliver a victory in the final 60 seconds. Literally 60 seconds. I got five more guests. Super Bowl 58 on Sunday. You were the man with the Sliwa Sports, Super Sports, whatever it was called. Chiefs or 49ers. Who wins on Sunday? Ah, who cares? I just know that Taylor Swift will emerge during the 
halftime show with Usher. Uh, it'll bring down the house. The Taylor Swifties have won, have destroyed this game that we so love, Smash Mouth American Football, and now the Swifties rule. What happened to America? How are we going to beat ISIS? How are we going to beat Al-Qaeda if the Swifties rule? Sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. All veils and misty streets are blue. Almond looks that chill divine. Some silken moment goes on forever. And we're leaving broken hearts behind Mystify, mystify me Great song, In Excess, on your pre-Super Bowl Friday, 742. We replayed the Mike Francesa interview on the 6 o'clock hour. That was great. Curtis just knocked it out of the park, as he does every day. And we got... Man, we got a bunch of great guests stopping by. The judge, Andrew Napolitano, live in studio momentarily. In the 8 o'clock hour, we'll talk to both Andrew Giuliani and Dove Hikind, and hopefully Bill O'Reilly in the 9 o'clock hour with uh, Beningo Takapina. I don't even know at this point. Everybody wants to come by today. So time becomes an issue. So we'll go to break here. We'll get traffic from Joe Nolan, and then we'll come back live with Judge Napolitano in studio and find out why my friend Donald Trump got charged. Biden did the same thing. He didn't. I don't get it. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Watching the Supreme Court today, I thought it was very, it's a very beautiful process. I hope that democracy in this country will continue. Uh, because right now we have a very, very tough situation with all of the radical left ideas, with the weaponization of uh, politics. They weaponized it like it's never been weaponized before. It's totally illegal, but they do it anyway. And it has to stop. Every one of the court cases that I'm involved, every single one, civil, whether it's the attorney generals or the district attorneys, you look at Fani in Georgia, they had many meetings with the White House and with the DOJ. They went there, eight-hour meetings. That was all staged. That was a phony hoax. And now you look at it, and it is a phony hoax. And hopefully that case will be dismissed in short order. It's a, it's a disgrace to this country. But they work together with the Justice Department and the White House, and I'm not supposed to do that. Every one of these cases you see comes out of the White House. It comes out of Biden. 
It's election interference, and it's really very sad. Uh, I thought the presentation today was a very good one. I think it was well-received. I hope it was well-received. You have millions of people that are out there wanting to vote, and they happen to want to vote for me or the Republican Party, or whatever you want to, however you want to phrase it. But I'm the one running, and we are leading in every poll. We're leading in the uh, local polls, in the state polls, and we're leading in the swing state polls, and we're leading very big in the national polls. So it's been a very great honor. My guy right there, President Trump, that press conference from Mar-a-Lago yesterday. My favorite part of that press conference is, as I mentioned a couple of times already this morning, as soon as that was over, Trump went back into his office, sat down at his desk, read the column that the Israel National News did with me, the interview last week. This is true now. And literally was so impressed and happy with what I said about him that he signed it, Sid, you are great with that iconic Trump signature, and had Margot Martin send it right back to me. It's now all over Instagram. So this morning, when the Israel National News saw that Trump read it and uh, sent me back a very complimentary autograph, they ran a story in the morning paper. I'm on the cover thanking me and President Donald Trump. But on a serious note, it did sound there like Trump thought the decision would go his way. Look, we know this. It's unpatriotic. It's unconstitutional. You want to beat Donald Trump? Go beat him in the polls. This nonsense, Colorado, Maine, all these states where these low-life Democrats are trying to really spit on the Constitution, it ain't going to work. And it sounded to me, Judge Napolitano, the great judge, Andrew Napolitano, like Trump thought he had a win yesterday. Well, uh, good morning, Sid. It's a pleasure to be with you, my dear friend. Uh, You know, a lot of my friends... We're praying for you while you were over there. Thank God you came back in one piece. In yeah. fact, you look younger than the last time I saw you. <laughs> That's the what one a bomb, thing when, I when, wish... when a bomb goes off three quarters of a mile away from you, you hear and it. you come home safely, you do get younger. Uh, the one problem I have with Trump is he should have written on there to Sid Rosenberg, the king of the Jews. <laughs> Love Donald Trump. <laughs> that would have been great. As for yesterday, at the beginning of the oral argument, I thought it was going to be 6-3. Liberals versus uh, conservatives. I now think it's going to be nine to nothing. And I think they're going to find a non-political, nearly universal accepted way out of this mess caused by the state of Colorado. Protecting the other 49 states from Colorado, protecting the voters from uh, judges who are coming up with schemes to keep uh, Trump's name uh, off the ballot, but consistent with the Constitution as well. That's what John Roberts wants. I'm not always a John Roberts fan, but in this case, he's going to labor mightily so that it's not political. And you think, again, that, uh, again, Colorado's done this, Maine popped up. You think uh, once this comes back favorably for Trump out of Colorado, that the rest of these idiotic states will come to the conclusion, we can't do this. They will set a standard that the states can't meet. They will basically say you you can't deny him the liberty for to run without proving beyond a reasonable doubt that he aided and abetted an insurrection. Guess what? He hasn't been charged with aiding and That's abetting right. an insurrection, so it can't be proven. Which which Jack Smith was dying to pin on Trump, but he just couldn't because for you morons out there in the media, uh, if you look up insurrection, just look it up, uh, by no means did what happened that day define an, in, an insurrection. In fact, what happened in Minneapolis in the summer of 2020 was, when they burned down a police station, that's an insurrection. Well, they also... What happened in Portland, Oregon, where they attacked a federal uh, courthouse? Correct, correct. 
those were serious efforts to interfere with uh, interfere with the government. Whatever you think of Jack Smith, I think he realized that insurrection would be a step too far, and you're not going to charge somebody with something that you think you can't prove. One more on Trump, then we'll take a quick break and get to the big story of the day, which is Biden, and Trump's involved in that, too. Uh, Rudy Giuliani's on this show every Tuesday, right? and I know you love Rudy. And uh, he has been extra happy the last couple of weeks because he really believes that Fannie Willis and that special prosecutor, uh, the fact that they slept together, they took money, all these things may help them. Now, some have said to me, well, look, the truth is she may be taken off the case, but the case ain't going away. Rudy seems to think, and Trump and others, that that may not be the case, that it may be so deteriorated, so contaminated, that it may go away. What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm in the um, uh, unhappily in the camp that she may be taken off the case, but the case doesn't go away. There, there are two kinds of prosecutorial misconduct. One, personal misbehavior by the prosecutor. The other, holding back evidence, bribing witnesses, affecting the case. This is in the first category. Her personal sexual behavior, uh, as inappropriate as it may have been, has nothing to do with the evidence against him. I don't think the case goes away. I wish it would. Listen, but, you know my feeling about the defendants, but I don't think it's going to happen. What about the rest of these cases? Uh, you know, again, three of these four are in unfriendly venues. D.C., not friendly. New York, not friendly. Georgia, not friendly. The only friendly one is Miami. What about the rest of these cases? The New York criminal trial is going to start in a month. It's going to be the first one to go. It's been a sleeper. The the prosecutors are ready, the court is ready, and the court is going to force that case. This is the Stormy Daniels case. This is the the runt of the litter. This is the weakest case. It's going to be the leadoff. And this is the the reason why Kathy Hochul, she's all critical this week of the Manhattan DA, that racist scumbag Alvin Bragg, uh, about the way he's handled the migrant situation. But she won't fire him, which she can do. She's the only one that can fire him because... She wants him to kick Trump's ass next, next month. week. She's going to be praising him to the skies. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to New York politics. You are right, Judge. We'll take a short break. You know, the judge, of course, does a great Newsmax hit every Friday. So don't have for a couple of minutes. We'll come back and talk about the news of the day. I have a very simple question. Why Trump? Not Biden. The judge will answer that next. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. I'm glad he's not going to be charged. I think this whole thing is, um, yeah, they shouldn't have done it. Trump shouldn't have done it. But does it really matter to the country? No. So I'm glad Biden's not going to be charged. I'm, and the happiest guy in the country tonight is Donald Trump. He's the happiest guy. His poll numbers will rocket now. Because people believe what they want to believe, Cuomo. But this is so damning. This report is so damning. I don't think I've ever seen a report as damning to a sitting president. And I'm writing a book on all the presidents. 345 pages. The book basically says he broke the law. No doubt he did. He knew he was breaking the law. But we're not going to charge him because he's a doddering guy who's probably got dementia. That's the report. Now, if you're the Republican Party, how many commercials are you going to get out of that? It's devastating. 
I want to get to my friend Bill O'Reilly's comments. He may join us in the 9 o'clock hour with you, Judge Napolitano. But first, my beautiful wife, Danielle, who's a great attorney herself and very, very bright. One more thing back on the Willis, Georgia case. Sure. She said, what about all these alleged White House meetings between her and her lover? Does that not point to some type of political bias above and beyond the law? I think your wife is correct. Not the DOJ meetings, because the Department of Justice and the county prosecutor can share evidence and can share witnesses. But there's no reason for the uh, county prosecutor in Georgia to have been in the White House unless there's politics behind it. Right. So that may come, so, come help to Rudy and Trump. That, not Fannie Willis's personal sexual behavior, right. could undo the case. Nice job, Danielle. Danielle from way downtown, Does as Mike Breen would Danielle say. Danielle know how lucky she is? I'm a lucky guy here, trust me. <laughs> she, she's she's kind of lucky. I'm really lucky. Married but thank to you, the thank king you for of saying the Jews. That. I am. I'm, I'm a, she is very lucky. I'm on the cover of the Israeli National News this morning. Uh, that, uh, O'Reilly's comments there, this is what kind of irked me this morning, when he said, I'm glad Biden didn't get charged. And I would say to Bill, if he comes on next hour, I would be, too, if this was a level playing field. In other words, they never should have charged Trump, and they shouldn't charge Biden. But don't tell me, Bill O'Reilly or Chris Cuomo, you're happy you didn't get charged when they charged Trump with the same thing. I know obstruction of justice. I get Right, it. right, right. But in <laughs> essence, they did the same thing. One guy gets charged. One guy doesn't. How are you happy about that? I think this I think here's what I think Bill's point is. And of course, he can explain it uh, for himself. This proves irrefutably Trump's argument and your argument that there's not a level playing field. And this is and Trump and the Republicans will have a field day with this. Yes. This that, will that, assure Republican dominance in 2024. That's great. But what about in court where his ass is on the line? Who wants to see a doddering old man go to jail? Go back to Rehoboth. Look, if the Democrats are smart, they'll do what the Republicans did in 74. They'll have an entourage go to the White House and say, Joe, it's time for you to go. Not to resign the presidency. Go talk to the nation. Tell them you're dealing with Israel. You're dealing with Ukraine. You're dealing with the economy. You don't have time to run for re-election. You, you and Jill are going to go back to Rehoboth. Because if you don't, Joe, we're going to be the minority party for the next generation. You know, I wonder the... Uh the rumors have been swirling for weeks since Michelle Obama was on that podcast right, three right, weeks ago. Right. She came out of nowhere. Right. Out of nowhere. Stop right. talking about right. it. And then I find out that it wasn't out of nowhere that, in fact, the week before, because I got people, Barack was at the White House telling Joe, get ready to step aside. Now, three weeks after that, the special counsel comes out and basically tells the world, this guy's not capable. Sound, Is all this an accident? Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan to me. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, something is up because the Democrats are not stupid and they fear a Donald Trump presidency and a Republican Congress. Well, what happens now with Trump from a legal standpoint? And again, the obstruction of justice is there. I get it. But in essence, they're being charged with the same thing. Can, can Trump mention that? Does it matter? You can't mention somebody else. Well, in your Trump, defense, Trump right? can't be tried once he's elected president. Uh, he obviously could uh, order his DOJ to dismantle the two federal cases against him once he's elected president. He could also pardon himself, I guess. Yeah, well, that's never been tested. He could try it. We'll see where it goes. I think it, there's an easier route to get the DOJ just to go before a judge and move for dismissal. Uh, but he can't stop the state cases. Uh, they would be held in abeyance until after his presidency is over if he's not tried beforehand. One more before Monica Allen and Newsmax kills me. <laughs> and me? <laughs> I know, and you. The 25th Amendment. Is this not the time? 
the 20, the linchpin to the 25th Amendment, which allows the cabinet to remove the president temporarily and replace him with the vice president. The linchpin to that is the vice president. So it's the vice president and a majority of the cabinet can tell the president uh, pro tem of the Senate, and the Speaker of the House, the president's going to take a break for a couple of weeks. If he disagrees, he's back in. If they still disagree, Congress decides by two-thirds vote if he's in or out. Awesome. You are absolutely amazing. Thank you for doing this. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you, my man. You Let too. me go across the street before him. I get fired. we got to take a video of the judge. He's going to run. Literally, he's wearing a jacket, a tie, and shoes. He's going to run across the street to make sure he makes his hit on time. Don't make tell, sure you take that video. Don't tell the cat man I'm going across the street. <laughs> He doesn't like that, I know. I know he doesn't I like know. that. John, forgive me. Yeah, but, you know, as much as John doesn't like it, you would join a line of Rita Cosby, Greg Kelly, and a thousand others. I don't go across the street. I get invited almost every day. You know that. They yes. love me over there. Oh, yeah. But I'm loyal to John. I don't do it. But you're not alone. So go have fun. God love we you. love you. We'll see you again next Friday. You got it, my man. It's maple syrup coming. <laughs> he makes the best maple syrup out there at his house in New Jersey, the great judge, Andrew Napolitano. Thank you, judge. I love you, too. Another great conversation. Mike Francesa, Curtis Sliwa, Judge Napolitano. He's moving fast. He's running. Still to come, Andrew Giuliani, Dove Hiking, maybe Bill O'Reilly, Joe Beningo, Joe Tacopina. A lot more to do. 804 on your Friday Super Bowl Sit Show. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. There's been a response from the opposition, but. Um, opposition? It, it, yes, I'm sorry. From Hamas. But it seems to yes. be uh, a little over the top. We're not sure where it is. There's a continuing negotiation right now. favorites and i believe uh lou ruffino carol is celebrating a birthday today i don't even want to hear the age you're going to tell me but i don't want to hear it how old is I'm carol not king you. today i'm not going to tell you let me take a guess 80 no 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 don't tell me older i'm not telling you anything you're supposed to guess 81 nope 82 yes oh god Dang. why'd you tell me <laughs> um, I have a lot to learn still. Aye, aye, aye. I don't know. You know, you played that cut from the president. 
And this is where I hate him, right? Above and beyond the dementia, he's not, the cognitive issues, all the, I'm so sick of hearing about all of it. And it is true, he does have all that, which would make him sympathetic if he wasn't such an asshole. But he's not a sympathetic figure. He's not. He's part of a crime family. And when he goes on there, and it's not alleged, he's part of a crime family. And when he goes on there, and for the second consecutive day says that Israel's response to Gaza is over the top. I hate Joe Biden. I hate him. That's not a cognitive issue, folks. That's not dementia. That's how he feels. He's a liar. I sat there like a like an idiot watching Fox News just days after the massacre on October the 7th, waiting for him to speak. I knew he would be terrible. In fact, to this day, I'm still angry with some of those uh, Fox News analysts, including Britt Hume, who should be better. For 90 minutes, this guy never came out. He finally comes out. He tells everybody he's pro-Israel. Never mentions Iran, who he's backed now in not one but two administrations, which has funded all these attacks. Goes on to tell some cockamamie story about Golda Meir, which you know never happened. He met her 50 years ago, and she called him Joey like his father did. Are you nuts? And all this guy has done while trying to convince people he's pro-Israel. He's called Bibi Netanyahu an effing bad guy. Quote, He's an effing bad guy. He's asked for ceasefires. He's asked for pauses. He's now, again, yelling and screaming for weeks. The reaction is over the top. You know what's over the top, Joe Biden? But on a Saturday morning, a a peaceful, beautiful holiday Shabbat morning in Israel, a bunch of animals with guns and knives go into houses of civilians and rape their daughters and put their babies alive in the oven. That's over the top, dickface. Well, I'm so sick of you. And I don't want to hear about the cognitive issues. Arati tells me that, too. And, and, and Arati's the best ever. I, I, there's nobody I respect more than Bill Arati. I don't want to hear it. It goes above and beyond that But this guy. This guy's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. And, and, he's got cognitive issues. What else do you need, folks? He doesn't know the difference between the Mexican president and the Egyptian president. He thinks he's talking to the French president, who's been dead for 27 years, or the German chancellor, who's been dead for eight years. What's the matter with you? And there are people out there, including my own sister, who's got a college degree, who are going to vote for this guy because they just hate Trump that much. How immature, how sophomoric, how stupid, how selfish. You got grandchildren. You got great grandchildren probably on the way. You don't care enough about this country that because you don't like Trump, you're going to vote for something like this? This, this idiot? He's the worst president, cognitive issues or not, by a distance. It's not even close. He makes Jimmy Carter look like George Washington. He's a piece of crap. And now I made it known too, so.
Don't ask why. It doesn't matter. I'm just uh, well, I was thinking about what going to ask you. It doesn't why. matter. Just, it's just how long will this last? You think? <laughs> like it could last anywhere between a minute and a year. <laughs> okay. Well, no, just like uh, find my headphones. Now it's on me. He's like, why is he even talking about me? <laughs> no, you know I, mean? like, yeah. I just, I just oh. got off this an hour. Ago. <laughs> he's, like a, he's like a weed on a I love Lucy or something. There is something strange about how when he rants, he always thinks about me. I'm yeah. not sure what that says. Well, I don't know. Because <laughs> something, there's something inside me that tells you that you kind of. I know you don't like Trump and you kind of like this guy. And I just I don't understand how any smart person, any smart person can feel that way. I don't get it. Put country first. Put aside your stupid petty differences. And just put country first. If you do that, you cannot ever, ever vote for a guy like Joe Biden over Donald Trump. Ever. My next guest worked for Donald Trump. Just be like the Marines, Gnome. <laughs> I mean, Gnome, Gnome's never even indicated I've that that, that would... Well, I, 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 listen, don't tell me what he said. I know Gnome very, very okay. well, okay? We, we've we been friends for a lot of years. We have been, yeah. I mean, I did get him fired once, but That's that was... true. That was friendly of you. Yeah, that, yeah, was, that was really young. <laughs> there was nothing personal, okay? <laughs> no. yeah. There was you nothing know, personal. He walked away mumbling. What, well, hey, what a great it, friend. It, 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 I can't believe my friend would do that That's to me. Right. <laughs> Here's the difference, you know, between me and the rest of you people. Right. Is that I admit I made a mistake. You did. You people. You were, you were much better than the person that I advised them to oh, fire you oh, for. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, <laughs> so at least I can admit I made a mistake. <laughs> Don't make me make that mistake again. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Giuliani worked for Donald Trump for four years. And, of course, is uh, the great mayor's son and a dear friend of mine. He may even be on a golf course right now. I swear to God, it's possible that Trump is standing right next to him on a golf course in Mar-a-Lago. Good morning, Andrew. Uh, Sid, good morning. It's good to be with you. I that. The round got delayed until next week, so I'm down here, though, in sunny Florida, enjoying a little bit of time. And uh, I got to tell you, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hop in the middle of this thing with uh, you and Gnome over here. But uh, you, you highlighted this so well with Joe Biden, right? The whole fact that it's obvious that he is uh, experiencing dementia. I mean, the fact that he's seeing and talking to presidents that are dead for decades. And I guess he's improving because, you know, last week it was somebody who was dead for 27 years. Now it's somebody who's only dead for eight years. So maybe he'll actually get depressed <laughs> get better, yeah. pretty soon. But, yeah. but it's beyond that. It's the fact that he actually is the centerpiece of a criminal enterprise over the last 45 years and selling out the United States of America and the country in order to gain for his family to uh, make this money. And, and that to me uh, is the biggest thing that I think the leftist media and then I think the left really wants to overlook and say, you know what, don't look over here. Don't even think about this. If Trump did a tenth of what Biden had done, then, I mean, well, look, you're seeing it right now. I mean, the fact that they're ultimately trying to drum up charges uh, just to put this guy in jail. Think about this report yesterday that was released. You know, we're seeing all the dementia storylines, the fact that he's, you know, an old elderly man that doesn't know what's going on. But as soon as they said that he willfully removed these documents. Remember, he didn't have the authority like the president of the United States does to declassify this. That right. tells you right there that this is a crime, that he actually did this. And while Trump is facing 40 counts and potentially 450 years in jail from Jack Smith for the Mar-a-Lago Mar documents, Joe Biden's not going to face 
Nothing. Any counts. And let me tell you this, and, 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 and you know this better than anybody because you're there now, you're there all the time. I'm first going in March to go see my friend uh, Scott Lobato's movie. I'm very excited about that. The Relentless Patriot, Scott Lobato's movie, Siggy Flicker. Thank you so much. So I'll be there sometime next month, my first visit to Mar-a-Lago, and congratulations again to Scott. But you're there all the time. You know this, Andrew. There is more security at Mar-a-Lago than the White House. This guy, Biden, had these documents all over the place, in a garage where homeless slept outside, in a library, at some uh, Chinese neighborhood. I swear to God, they were everywhere out in the open. 100%. And on top of that, you got to remember who was sleeping inside of that house. You had somebody who was compromised, who was getting money from Ukraine, somebody who was getting money from China, and those documents were in there. And by the way, he was high the entire time that he was in it, so it wasn't even making the right judgments. Of course, I'm referring to Hunter Biden. But you're absolutely right. And you'll see it when you get down firsthand to Mar-a-Lago right there. First off, you'll see it and you'll say, wait a second, they assessed this thing for $20 million. Let me see if I can figure out a way to drum up a $20 million investment and buy this tomorrow because it might be the greatest investment in the history of mankind. You'll see how incredible it actually is. But you're absolutely right. The amount of security that it actually takes to get through there um, you know, it's impressive, and it's, and it's rightfully so. You've got somebody who is the leading candidate uh, to become the president of the United States. And I think that's so important that we repeat that even more and more. It's not just that he's the former president, but the leading candidate become, to become president, because then it really enlightens everything that these leftist prosecutors are doing. Alvin Bragg to uh, Fannie Willis to Letitia James to Jack Smith, these people are political ask, actors mas- masquerading as prosecutors in some type of a level. And when you end up highlighting the fact that he's a leading candidate again, as you do all the time, so I mean, it's not like, you, you know, but I'm just saying, as when you think of it from that perspective, you'll realize exactly what they're trying to do. You know, my wife just made a really good point. She's actually on fire today. She's had two great points on how to go back and ask Judge Napolitano about the fact that Fanny and her lover were at the White House. That goes above and beyond good sex and nice, nice dinners. Now yep. she says, you realize that the more you talk about Biden, you're aiding and abetting the real possibility that he has to step down or they pull him down in exchange for Michelle Obama, which is the last thing that I want. So maybe we should shut up and just leave Biden where he is. Right. Yeah, I've thought about. Yeah, I've thought about that, too. I think it's a really good point. Danielle makes there, um, you know, Michelle is a bit of an unknown commodity in terms of this. I do think I, I, I am and maybe I'm a little bit in the minority of this. I do think that if Michelle Obama actually does become a candidate, I think of a lot of Americans are going to look at this and say, wait a second, what does she stand for? How has her family made the country better or worse over the last 15 years? And what are they going to do actually on issues that we care about, like actually making sure the southern border is enforced again, like actually tackling uh, inflation and the economy. I know we've seen some good numbers on the economy from the technicals here recently, but that doesn't actually – uh, account for the fact that you had $7 trillion that yeah. was poured in yeah. by this Biden administration. Uh, and one of the reasons why the Fed might not be able to bring rates down as fast is they're worried that inflation will go back up through the roof because you have $7 trillion found dollars in this economy yeah. that we didn't have before. So it's a great point by Danielle. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I'll tell you what, I, I think maybe your focus should be a little more on Danielle. And on home, yeah. you might find yourself in a little better mood. I think so. I, I mean, I don't listen. I know what you're saying about Michelle, but I don't want her. I mean, the fact is, her I, husband is still a rock star. And this guy, I mean, look at what this guy did. 
This guy had the the slowest moving economic recovery in the history of the presidency. This guy, and I got to tell you, I was choked up when he first started walking towards the White House with his wife and his two beautiful daughters. I go, you know what? This is kind of cool. It really is. And what did he do? He was the most divisive president in terms of race ever. Let me remind folks. Black Lives Matter was not born under Donald Trump. Black Lives Matter was born under Obama. That nonsense with that low-life kid in Ferguson, Missouri, uh, that was uh, that was under Obama. Same thing with Freddie Gray in Baltimore. Same thing with uh, Eric Garner on Staten Island. Every time there was a terrorist attack, and there were tons of them, whether it was Brussels or Paris or California, all this guy did was basically say, don't be mad at your Muslim neighbors. He was the worst. Eight years of absolute hell. But yet, whether you like it or not, for some reason, he's a rock star. Yeah, I just I wonder if that actually translates over to the independents and to those Republicans. I think actually, to be honest, if you want to talk about that contingent, however small that contingent is, that still may be holding out for for Haley or might not like Trump in the Republican Party. I think you nominate uh, Michelle or Barack Obama and all of a sudden they come back running to the Trump wing over here. So that's the way I look at it right there. Look, I think when you look at this report, I would much rather be running against somebody who is senile, who doesn't know if somebody is dead (laughs) or alive. I mean, who who can't remember that Hamas is the one that actually attacked Israel on October 7th. Uh, He continues to forget this stuff. Like the the mistakes that he's making, it's every single day, sometimes multiple times a day. And look, here's another question. Why aren't you doing a Super Bowl interview with CBS when you know you're going to have hundreds of millions of people watching it, and you know you're going to get favorable coverage, you know you're going to get soft questions, oh. and also you know if you do mess up, they'll probably end up cutting it for you because this is the leftist media that's in line. It, he just is not up for it. Yeah, that's he can't. No, he, he, he can't physically do it. And you're right. They tape it before. They play it before the game. Look at the yeah. talent, if you want to use that word, at CBS. Gail King. You know, Margaret Brennan, who hosts Face the Nation. You've got Dickerson. They're all Biden suck-ups. They all hate Trump. So you're not kidding when you say it'd be one thing if Bill O'Reilly was still working on Fox. That's a whole other story. Or even Sean Hannity. He would get the best treatment possible. And you're right. He still turned it down. You know, I, um, I contacted you, Andrew, right away yesterday when the president sent me back. The interview I did in Israel signed, and, and I was so appreciative of that, especially when once again, again yesterday, Joe Biden comes out and takes a shot at Israel and Bibi by saying, quote, the response from Israel over the top, over the top. What is he? What, what is what do you want Bibi to do? What does he want him to do? And, Sid, you know, you probably have a better perspective than any of us right now. You've done a great job at, at laying it out for us, at painting a picture for exactly what Israel now looks like in its present day, what it's gone through, uh, the day-to-day uh, uh, happenings in Israel and, and the threat that they're under on a constant basis. Uh, and I think because of that, uh, we're all, myself included, better educated at what it looks like on a day-to-day basis in Israel right there. Yeah. But that's exactly right. And, and you highlighted it before so well. The fact that he continues to support Iran for billions and billions and billions of dollars, when you know they're going to take that money and give it to Hamas, give it to Hezbollah, give it to the Houthis, and attack American soldiers and kill American soldiers with that money, that's traitorous, Sid. That, that's the only way that you can describe that. How can you actually go and look – at your service members 
and actually say, I'm standing for you, for you that are actually willing to make the ultimate sacrifice for us, for our country. I'm willing to stand up here for you and make sure that you have a country that Mm. cares about you, that we're going to have your backs because you have our backs. Can't do that. Joe Biden can't do that at all. And so to me, this is something that actually is solved as difficult as this is, right? This is something that can be solved I really think within the first year of a Trump presidential administration, and it starts first and foremost by cutting Iran off, by making sure you hit their infrastructure there, and by making sure, by guaranteeing that they do not get a nuclear weapon. That cannot happen right. ever in our lifetime, Sid, or honestly, the, the lifetimes of those who are living in Israel you know, may come to an end. Not just our lifetime, but your little baby Grace, my kids Ava and Gabe. And by the way, Trump already did that. He cut them off. He uh, he made sure they were not getting any materials anymore. He he blew up Soleimani into about 16,000 pieces. They couldn't afford to buy a loaf of bread, that Iranian government, let alone get rich from uh, oil from China. So he did all that already. He made sure there was no Iran deal like John Kerry, Barack Obama, yeah. Biden. So he's already done all that. But I do want to bring up his race. And, Sid, one one thing I just want to add to that right there for perspective. Uh, President Trump put over 1,500 different sanctions on Iran while he was president. That's over a sanction a day, by the way, Sid, if you think about it. Over a sanction a day, whether it be economic, military. I mean, this was a focus that every single day the Trump administration was saying, how do we make sure one of our biggest enemies, one of the biggest enemies to the West is, is, is being cut off here? He did all that. You're right. So on the way out, his race here, you know, I say this all the time. I'm very tough on Nikki Haley. I know you are, too. Uh, she stabbed him in the back, and now she's an embarrassment. She's embarrassing herself. I mean, she got blown out in Iowa during that caucus. For all the independent votes she got in New Hampshire, she lost by double digits. That was embarrassing. The latest poll I saw this morning, she's down by 29 points in her own state and then, and by the way, Nevada was a complete joke yesterday. And then, if you even look forward to Super Tuesday, do you realize that in some of those states, Oklahoma, Texas, Alabama, she, North Carolina, she's down by 60-plus points. Now, I did hear a rumor yesterday that she's starting to read the tea leaves, this moron, but what took you so long. And she still may beg out before South Carolina, but I think you'd agree at this point, Nikki Haley, she's embarrassing herself. I think she is. But, Sid, my theory is on this. And, again, I don't advocate for this, but I think this is exactly what Haley is thinking. I think that at some point she wants to show President Trump that she has 15 to 20 percent of Republicans. And I think she wants to come to the table with President Trump and say, you see this 15 or 20 percent? You don't become president without this 15 or 20 percent. Now, maybe. maybe So so you think you think she's positioning for the vice president role? Oh, I, I am. And I think she's being critical of him because of that. I know it sounds crazy. But if you think about it, and you highlighted this yesterday with Ron DeSantis, right, he ended up, you know, after a year, basically, of going at each other, was immediately complimentary of Ron DeSantis. So I think Nikki Haley looks at this and says, you know what, President Trump will let bygones be bygones, and he's very rational when it comes to this stuff. And if I, if he looks and realizes that I have even 5 to 7% of the Republican electorate that I could swing, and that might be the difference between tens of thousands of votes in Michigan and in Arizona and in Wisconsin, then he might look at it and say, hey, 
Am I going to become the 47th president with Nikki Haley as vice president, or am I not? So I think this is the mindset that Nikki Haley is operating on. I don't know if it's necessarily correct. I haven't looked at enough of the advanced metrics to tell you whether or not it's good. I'm just telling you the way that I think the Haley campaign is operating. I think they're saying, you know what, he's going to look at this. He's going to look at the numbers. He's going to let bygones be bygones on this because he doesn't, he doesn't get personal with any of this stuff, right? It's, it's all business. It's not personal. And I think that's how she's operating here in this present moment. Could be. And you're right. Trump will let all that other nonsense. He'll push it aside in two seconds if she can ensure him a victory. Although he would never admit that the VP would get him a win. You may be right. Hey, Andrew, excellent, excellent appearance as always, brother. I love your terrific job. Enjoy South Florida. I'll see you and talk to you again very soon. Thanks, bud. Thank you, Sid. My man, Andrew Giuliani, and he's on every Friday and he's really great. His father, Rudy, is on every Tuesday, too. We get them all here. Yes, people are texting me. Wait, Biden said over the top? Yes, he did. So we're going to talk to Dove Hyken coming up. Dove Hyken is also speaking at this big dinner coming up at the Fifth Avenue Synagogue tomorrow night where they're going to award me with the Guardian of Israel Award, which is the huge honor. I believe the uh, U.N. ambassador to Israel, Erdan, is actually going to present me with the award. So we'll talk to Dove Hiking coming up about a whole bunch of stuff. Keep it right here. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Sitting friends in the morning, just a couple of days ago, was the 60-year anniversary of the Beatles arriving at Kennedy Airport. And coming up Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, that will mark 60 years to the day the Beatles made a big splash in America on the Ed Sullivan Show. Topo Jiju. In fact, we have that audio, right? Don't we have uh, Ed Sullivan, Lou? You had it earlier, uh, yes. introducing the Beatles. Give me a sec. This Sunday will be the 60-year anniversary. Let me know when uh, you're ready to go. They arrived at Kennedy Airport uh, two days prior. It was a Friday. And they performed for Ed in America Sunday night. Now, yesterday and today, our theater's been jammed with newspapermen and hundreds of photographers from all over the nation. And these veterans agree with me that the city... Never has witnessed the excitement stirred by these youngsters from Liverpool who call themselves the Beatles. Now, tonight, you're going to twice be entertained by them. Right now and again in the second half of our show. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles. That's pretty cool. Hey, you know what? I know they, I think they did Hard Day's Night, right? They did. I, I played, they did All My Loving first. Right. Till There Was You. Oh, okay. I saw her standing there. Right. Um, no, I just had it. All right. Well, we, we got to take a break anyway, because, but, but I want that information in the nine o'clock hour. Dove Hikind, okay. who has been, uh, my guy, you know, you look at that great trip to Israel a week ago. He was really one of the major forces. Him, Rabbi Bloomstein, Dove, and of course, our friend Yehuda Hanekman there in Israel. Dove has been, uh, a staunch supporter. I call him the king of all Jews. 
uh, forever, really forever. He was a great, I mean, a great assemblyman for the better part of four decades in Borough Park, Brooklyn. And uh, he's so dear to me that when I get this award at the Fifth Avenue Synagogue tomorrow night, I've invited Dove not just to attend with his lovely wife, Shani, but to speak. So we'll talk to my friend Dove Heikend. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Sid is among the most important defenders of Israel and the Jewish people today, and his defense could not come at a more appropriate time and in a more appropriate setting. Sid's audience, and he's so effective with his audience, are ordinary folks, everyday folks. They're not the fancy academics. Uh, They're not necessarily the members of Congress. They're the voters. They're people, many of them, with open minds. And they're people who don't know a lot about the Middle East. His recent trip to the Middle East was so educational and so informative to so many people. There were bells on a hill But I never heard them no, I never heard them at all Till there was you There were birds in the sky But I never saw them winging No, I never saw them at all Till there was you That's my dear friend, the great attorney Alan Dershowitz who uh, really wants to come tomorrow night to the Fifth Avenue Synagogue, but... He does what most uh, Jews do. He's in Florida. (laughs) Can't blame him for that. So he won't be there. He put together this uh, beautiful video. That's just a small portion of it. Last night I received another beautiful video from Mark Levin. I mean, that one actually made me cry. At one point he goes, if I got to be in a foxhole with anyone, I'm picking Sid. Mark Levin. Boy, how far we've come. So anyway, um... I do want to thank uh, Alan. Tomorrow night's going to be a very, very big night, and I've got a lot of very important and big friends that are going to be there. None more important than, again, the former assemblyman out of Borough Park, Brooklyn. What a great guy. And uh, I love Dove Hyken, no matter what. You know, we've done rallies together. We've been friends for years. I love his wife, Shani. I love his kids. But now I really love him because he actually switched. He made the official switch. Like Tulsi Gabbard from Democrat to Republican. And even though his wife, Shani, is not a big Trump fan, I'm telling you, she's going to vote for him. Because they love their country, they love Israel, and Trump's our only choice. With that said, here he is, my dear friend, Dove Hyken. Good morning, Dove. Good morning, Sid. And uh, uh, very excited about tomorrow night, uh, 8 o'clock at the Fifth Avenue Synagogue on uh, 5 East 62nd. Uh, if you haven't made reservations, if you want to show up, uh, be there. It's going to be an amazing, amazing night uh, with great entertainment, uh, with uh, Curtis Liwa, Ina Vernikov, a surprise guest who I will not mention. But most important, really, uh, it's about showing gratitude. It's about saying thank you. And that's an important thing to do. You know, I know, Sid, you're not looking for that. That's not what this was all about. But, you know, we have a responsibility. It's called in Hebrew, recognizing the good of people. And you have been uh, such a leader 
you are showing the way as to what can be done by those who want to do something, who want to stand up and speak out. And, you, you, you know, you are on the front line. You are, you are right there doing things day in and day out on behalf of the people of Israel. You get it. You understand. You understood before you went to Israel. And now that you've been there and you were down south and you, you experienced the horrors that went on that were perpetrated against the Jewish people, the, the brutality, the barbarism, the, the kind of things that are hard to talk about on the radio or even on television. It's, terror, it's just beyond belief. So, you know, I, what can I tell you? I, you know, I love you as a person. I love you for what you are. I love you for your leadership. I love you because you actually, you talked about the foxhole, uh, who I would rather be with. You actually... Uh, I told a reporter yesterday about you uh, who asked me, I said, I was out in Manhattan at a demonstration against anti-Semitism. You were there, and some guy was ready to beat the daylights out of me, and you were protecting me. You were there like... You know, like you were there, like to take the first freaking. Uh, it is true. It was uh, at the library, and I jumped over the the railing. And the cop, who's a fan of mine, said, "Sid, please don't do this. I don't want to have to arrest you." And I said, "Well, he can't touch my friend Dove. He can't do it." And the guy was Jewish, mind you, wearing a yarmulke, which was really disturbing. But we have that issue today, and I appreciate you saying all these things. But the truth is, you've dedicated your whole life to this, decade and decade and decade. And before we take our uh, first quick break, you know, you mentioned that I was, in fact, a week ago today, though, how quickly it goes, and Justin was right there with me, a week ago today, down in that area, a mile away from Gaza, where on on all those atrocities, I was at the Kibbutzim, I was at the Nova Music Festival. So I did see firsthand a bomb went off that scared the living daylights out of my daughter. She started to cry. And then I hear Joe Biden again, not the first time, Dove Hiking. Joe Biden again yesterday taking Israel to task by saying, and I quote, their reaction to October 7th has been over the top. Oh, really, you son of a bitch? They put babies in ovens. They raped daughters. They carved little kids' eyes out, blew off their fingers, and killed them in front of their parents. What do you mean, over the top? Yeah, uh, Sid, it was so pathetic to watch that entire press conference and then his confused remarks over the top. By the way, the question he was being asked by the reporter, which people did not hear, was a question about the hostage negotiations. But Biden is lost. You know, I, I actually have Rahmanis pity on him. I mean, he doesn't belong. He shouldn't be president now. Forget about running for reelection. The man is just not there. He is not there. He is dangerous. I mean, what kind of friend are you? I mean, let Israel finish the job of destroying these monsters. If that does not happen, if we follow, you know, some of the, you know, the good guys, you know, they care about civilization. They care about the the people in Gaza. If we let, if we stop this war, Hamas wins. It is a victory for terrorism and for horror and for brutality. Let Israel finished the job. And if you want to blame someone for what's going on in Gaza, I get it. I understand. Blame. Put the blame where it deserves to be. And that is with Hamas that uses the civilians of Gaza as shields. 
That's right. Well, we got to take a very, very quick break. I want to come back with you. Bill O'Reilly has just confirmed he will join us coming up at 930 at an epic appearance with Chris Cuomo on News Nation last night. After that, as Dove Hyken described, that pathetic Biden press conference. So we'll take a short break. We'll come back. More with Dove Hyken. Bill O'Reilly still to come. Fridays with Sid. Keep it right here. Cure? Come on, baby. Come on. Come on. Robert Smith, not the same guy who played running back at Ohio State and the Vikings, the lead singer of this great group, The Cure. I love these guys. I just got a very cute text as I bring Dove Hyken back on the air. Dove, you remember the, uh, the great writer Jimmy Breslin? Of course. Well, his son, Kevin... Lives out in Rockaway by me. I used to see him at the gym all the time, but I stopped going to that gym because I've got a BLM banner there, so I've now cut off the YMCA all over the country. Now I work out at a local gym, Burn Fitness, where they love America and love Trump. But um, he's a great guy. He listens to this show every day, and he's a Democrat, you know. Uh, and he just said to me, I'm converting. <laughs> I mean, the president and this administration, they've made so many people angry, not just Jews. Christians are angry, too. The response from the American government when they say things like that, the Israeli response is over the top, asking for pauses, asking for ceasefires. Be friendly. Be nice. Worry about the Palestinians. It's even pissing off Christians, Dove. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not surprised. Uh, look, the overwhelming majority of the people of this country, uh, they support Israel. The very latest polls a couple of days ago, they get it. They understand that Israel's victory is a victory for the United States, clear. So uh, I, I just want to urge people out there, and I, I mean, I've got to make this clear. If ever there was a time. Not to support the Democratic Party. Forget about Biden. I'm talking about the Democratic Party. If ever there was a time to make a statement, it is this year in 2024. And again, if you don't want to change parties, I respect that. I get it. You know, it's your prerogative. But you've got to send a message to the Democratic Party. I mean, this this party is freaking out of control on every <laughs> single level. And, and you spent like seven I mean, years. Even when there's a good Democrat, okay, a good guy, okay. But he's part of the, of that swamp. Yep. He's part yep. of yep. supporting uh, the Democratic leadership, you know, and this is the problem. And, and let's just face this. My fellow Jews in particular, it is a fact of life that it is Republicans who support Israel more than some of the Jews in this country, yes. for God's sake. 
Yeah, that's true. Bernie Sanders and others, Ron Kuby. Yeah, yeah um, precisely. Yeah, they, so they don't if, care. If ever, if ever, if ever, must say to America, we are supporting the Republican Party. We are supporting Trump. There is no choice. Look, I, you know, I'm not a Trumpy, but I will vote for Trump. There is no question about that because the choice is so freaking clear. By the way, there is no choice. Did you see Biden last night? That is it. Case closed. <laughs> it's not pretty. Uh, no. So on the way out, we've got about a minute and a half to go. Open your right. It's not pretty. And the Democrat Party, folks, remember, that's Talib, that's Omar, that's AOC, that's self-hating Jews. Those are the folks asking uh, for Israel to be wiped off the face of the earth. So I've got relatives who still vote Democrat. My friend Michelle Lubin down in Boca Raton, Siggy Flicker's friend, she started Jexit. Take a look at Jexit, folks. That are Jews exiting the Democrat Party, which, as Dove just mentioned, every Jew should do. On the way out, this other traitor, this uh, this guy can't stand him either, the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, meeting with Habas, the Palestinian leader. As if they should have a leader. They should kill him, too. But uh, this guy's meeting with Habas in, um, in Ramallah, talking about this two-state solution. We don't want a two-state solution. Nobody in Israel wants a two-state solution, Dove. How many people have to be blown up at a bus? How many people have to be blown up at a pizzeria? How many girls have to get raped before this administration in this country comes to the realization, not just since 1948, but for hundreds and thousands of years, these Palestinians have proven they don't want land. They want dead Jews. You are right on target, Sid. Mahmoud Abbas, the leader of the Palestinian Authority, has still not condemned what happened on October 7th. Can you believe what I am saying? The guy that that our administration wants us to talk about a two-state solution still has not condemned what was done to innocent women to innocent babies, to children, to grandmothers, grandfathers. And by the now, way, by the way, when, 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 by the way and when you say done on October 7th, I would uh, just remind you that there are still probably 70 or 80 hostages still alive and many young girls that are getting raped every day. I saw a story yesterday. They found uh, some hostage that Hamas had about a year ago with 67, 67 different people, semen, Inside her body, 67 different. So it didn't end October 7th. There are still young girls today being raped in tunnels every day. Yeah, absolutely, Sid. Uh, and it's just an absolute horror. So over the top, my God. I mean, what the hell is wrong with this guy and this administration? I get it, by the way. I do get it. It's about Michigan. It's about votes. It's about politics. It's not about doing the right thing and standing with the only democracy in the Middle East. Israel is America's best friend, and America needs to be Israel's best friend. Anyway, tomorrow night is the night that we are all together to be in unity for Israel and to be with Sid, a hero of the Jewish people. And again, I just want to mention your father, who is Shepping Nachas, who is watching his son be a leader among the Jewish people and a great American. So join me and others, Rabbi Bloomstein, you know, the great rabbi out here in Woodmere that I love. And I know, Sid, you love him. Love him. And it is going to be an amazing night. Eight o'clock tomorrow night, Fifth Avenue Synagogue, 5E, 62nd. You can get your 
tickets. If there are any left, hopefully there'll be a few if you show up. But show up. Dove, I love you. You're, I cannot uh, wait to see me too. you and Danielle and the family. Me too, Dove. Thank you. I can't wait to see you and Shani and uh, Rabbi Bloomstein and Mimi, the whole crew. I can't say enough how much I love you. Thank you for this great appearance, and I'll see you tomorrow night. Thank you so much. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom, Dove. Thank you. We wrap up our number three. Bill O'Reilly's going to stop by. You're not going to want to miss that one because I'm actually going to take O'Reilly to task, and then he's going to prove how stupid I am. You sure there's enough room in the bed for you, O'Reilly and Doug Heiser? <laughs> I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure we got the right uh, size bed. I don't know. The king. Did you say the same thing about Francesa yesterday? What? I did not say. You that. didn't say no, that. Okay. But how good was Mike? Dog. Dog. There's only one hammer. They have it, or you have it. Make the shapes. My eyes are Till I shut hey, hey, hey But if I had your face Then I could make you safe, please I would think I was sure That my head on the door was a dream Is sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. So stupid. I think it was de Blasio. It was before Eric Adams when they had the issue with cars that were idling in the city. <laughs> they brought in Billy Idol. That's right. I remember that. Oh, yeah. my God. That was funny. That was great. <laughs> it was, that was so stupid. It was beyond stupid. Joseph Tacopino <laughs> will join me uh, twice next week, Tuesday and Friday. He listens every day. Uh, listen, I'm friends with Joseph for 47 years. And we were, we, we've been very, very close over that time. Very close. I mean, carpooled together. We were kids. I knew his parents, God bless them both, uh, Cosmo and Josephine. And he listens every day. I'm, I, I just, um, that means a lot to me. I don't know. He's like, yeah, but why? We're friends. We're like brothers. 47 years. It still means a lot to me. So thank well, you, Joseph. Well, he's not sitting there with his car idling listening, <laughs> are you? That would not. That goes so against, stupid. Goes against New York yeah. City. <laughs> 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 oh, 
Come on, let's move to rock and roll. That's all. Come on, you you cause idling too much. Nice job, Billy. Uh, t- today is a Pizza Friday here at WABC, and uh, Anthony Grimaldi drops off these uh, great pizzas. John loves Grimaldi's pizza. John Katzmatidi, so do I. So these guys uh, drop it off every Friday. I told you, Anthony invited me to a Super Bowl party, a private party with cigars and all kinds of fun stuff, but. I'm going to, uh, I turned it down because I'm just going to stay home. Watch a game with my son. Got to be up very, very early Monday morning. It's a big week next week, Tuesday. The big special election between Pillip and Swazi. Always a lot going on, you know. Valentine's Day is next week. So that requires a weeknight out with me and my beautiful wife. So I can't be out late Sunday watching the game. I just can't do it. Are you, are you going to a Super Bowl? Uh, no, but I'm at, you, no, because the Sunday night is difficult always. Horrible. Well, a couple of my friends who have them are far away. Where do now, they live? Well, one lives in Orange County. He too far. To do it way yeah. too far. Like the yeah. game ends. If you want to watch ten thirty, I'm leaving. No, I later than home. that. Much later than right. that. Right, but yeah. especially if it's. I mean, a game I, I, I think Usher is still on at ten thirty. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta go home. Yeah. <laughs> but imagine if this country did things. On a Saturday night, or make Monday a national holiday. Okay, yeah, but more. To, but it's probably more reality to move the game yeah, to when people nah, do you can't, things. Though. You can't. It's a uh, Super Bowl well, Sunday yeah, is a well, tradition. What, why? But you see, because it's a that's, tradition. That's not an answer. It's my answer. It's not. I don't want to move the game. I want to make Monday a federal holiday. Fine. Well, since this country makes enough money to make it a federal holiday, but I can't change Super Bowl Sunday to Super Bowl Saturday. I hate it. What, why? Because you play football on Sundays, that's why. Uh, but they had playoff games on Saturday. I know, but this is the Super Bowl. Make Monday a holiday. Right, okay, so what does that mean? The stock exchange will be closed? Everything? Yes. Okay. And we're not coming in. <laughs> right. That Monday after the Super Bowl, you know, there's a lot of people at this station who don't even care about sports. They can work. But uh, that's oh, not us. Oh, okay. All right. We so love sports. So it's one of those holidays. Okay. One of those. Okay. And let me tell you something right now, my friend. If the Rangers play for the Stanley Cup. On a Sunday night game seven. I'm not coming in Monday. Okay. If the Knickerbockers, who made some great trades yesterday. Again, I know Mike Lupica, the king of the obvious. Hey, the Knicks are contenders. Way to go, Mike. I got news for you. Kennedy got assassinated, Mike. <laughs> Just in case you didn't know. I mean, is there a bigger douchebag than Mike Lupica in the history of sports? He, oh, everything he writes is so obvious. We'll have a history of humanity. <laughs> <laughs> humanity. <laughs> but if the Knickerbockers are playing a game seven and I'm there at Madison Square Garden on a Sunday night. Okay, right. Curtis and John are here on Monday morning. National holiday. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? No, at 6 a.m., the Ranger fans will still be flooding in the subway system. Are you kidding? You know, Joe Nolan just had a pretty good idea. Um, he texted me, too. Move the game to President's Day weekend. It's only one more week, and Monday is a national holiday. Yeah, well... More- <laughs> Make it an 18-game schedule and play uh, play the Super Bowl on I, President's I Day. I agree. They're getting there. They're almost there. But I maintain they want people coming into work Monday to rehash the Super Bowl. They do? Especially me. But nobody goes to work Monday. No. Do you, no, nobody goes. We're going. I know, but if you look, there's actually numbers that dictate yes. that the, the first day of the NCAA basketball tournament, believe it or not, that Thursday, a lot of folks start the day at work. 12 o'clock, the games start. Oh, they go yeah. out for lunch. Oh, no. They in, start pounding beers. In front of that garden, it's a lo- loony bin. Right. Yes, Nobody know. goes to work that Friday. Okay. The second day of the NCAA basketball tournament. 
Nobody goes to work Super Bowl Monday. Nobody. Well, right. Well, it is a lot of we people. We have to. We do radio. Right. Yes, but I know. A lot of people, the attendance goes down significantly. You make a, That's a valid point. I get it. I'm just, I just don't understand the fascination the country has. I know super, I know Sunday is football Sunday, but we've moved days like the Monday night football, Thursday night football. It's a big, huge party, the Super Bowl. I hear you. Put it on Saturday night. Don't want to do it. You could do so much more with it. I don't want to do that. You could, all right, but. It's a tradition. You got to keep it. Somewhere. I got You got to keep it. Okay. I'm sorry. So you like that? Yeah. Well, it's the last yeah. collective certain, moment we have in America. Right. There are certain right? traditions you got to keep. We've got rid of everything else. Everything else is just about gone. Right. But the tradition is there. The tradition is Super playing. Bowl Sunday, still... not Super Bowl Saturday. Right. But you, that's it. You have jammed so much stuff into Super Bowl Sunday that it makes sense. Plus, I think. by the way, uh, just so you know. Clearly, you've never covered a Super Bowl. So I'm not a knock at you, but I have. I've, I've covered 17 of them. And the amount of money that these cities make, for example, Las Vegas, on Saturday night with their big parties, all the major big parties of the night before. They have parties all week, all week they have parties. Right. But the night before, Saturday night, they go nuts. You're correct. But you they go that. nuts. Can you do that on a Friday? No. Oh, all right. The job is. <laughs> <laughs> the matter with you? Good, good, good Another, the, the, the Jews, we got. You believe this, though? Dove, I'm calling you now. Your, your oh. name is Noam. <laughs> You're getting the dreidel at you. I know, right. You know, talking about uh, Jews, my buddy Rocco from uh, Joe and Joe Restaurant there in Pearl River, which I love that place. He says, I don't mean to brag, but I built a mikvah in the Fifth Avenue synagogue. I spent a bunch of time there. He says he's 7% Jewish. I think Katsimatidis is 6% Jewish. By the way, Joan Rivers lived right next door. She used to fight with that synagogue all the time. So I miss Joan Rivers. That's my boy Rocco. I love that guy. Love him. Miss Joan. Anyway. So you're not going to the Super Bowl party. I'm not going. We, we're not very friendly people anyway, to be honest. Let's, I mean, come on. No, well, I want to just like I want to watch the game too. I don't of want course. to talk about your kids or anything. I you don't go care. To a, right. Yeah, you go to a, <laughs> you're a party, no. and all of a sudden people look up. Oh, look, it's uh, twenty-one nothing already. Right. You, you missed two touchdowns. You missed, you missed everything. No, oh, what you missed... about you? Do you go to a Super Bowl party? No, I'm with you guys. I want to sit at the couch and watch it at home. Not no. interested. What about uh, flipping? Flippin', do you like to go to a party or watch the game home alone? I mean, most of the time, the party outside. Oh, really? He goes to parties. Flippin', he's he's a wild man. He's He's an animal. Yeah, Yeah. Flippin's an animal. He he looks very mild-mannered, but you know he's a damn He'll still be drunk when he comes in Monday. A hundred percent. Right. Do you know that they, uh, they, for a 30-second spot, the Super Bowl, they're charging $7 million. Uh, Bob Kraft, who owns New England Patriots, he bought one of those... And uh, his spot is all about fighting anti-Semitism. He's a great Jew, Kraft. Great. I told you guys in Israel, he actually built a football stadium. They play American football in Israel in Bob Kraft Stadium. And this guy loves our people. He's Jewish. So it's $7 million for a 30-second spot, and they're all sold out. You believe that? How many... So how many are there? Available? I don't know. I mean, that game like goes up for like six hours. That would be know. interesting to see how much. That's a good question. Multiply yeah. the seven and see yeah. how much they revenue they get in advertising. I'd love to see that. That is. Sick. It doesn't pay for the broadcast though. It doesn't no, even come it close. They right. lose money on the Super Bowl. Well, they are. Yeah, they always lose money. You know, the, the network they? does. Yeah. Well, you know, the sixty-second spot's got to be like fifteen million dollars. Yeah, no? but, but it costs so much for the rights. That can't be for every spot, though, is it? Yeah, we want every minute spot. It's like. 
or every 30 second spot. I don't know. Like, what if it's, it's got to be different for like pre game. We should get Darren, uh, what's his name? Rovell? Yeah, yeah, what's just, his name? Just bring one of them down. Yeah, here. bring one yeah. of them on here. <laughs> just, well, I'm proud to announce that John Katzenmatidis has bought a 30 second spot for $7 million to promote, uh, sitting friends in the morning during the Super Bowl. So great. Did you know that? Well, that's cool. It's not true, but no. Imagine that if you if How cool would that the be, game. right? Yeah. Flippin <laughs> yeah. yeah. would spit out his beer. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I, I work with those guys. <laughs> I'm going to take a bet right now. <laughs> hey, hey, that's it. That's that, Justin. Uh, John, yeah. what? Well, I couldn't get away from you in my cab ride home yesterday either. <laughs> you were on the Suzanne Miller podcast. Oh, is that right? So that came out of the back of my head. All of a sudden, I thought I was in some sort of weird oh, you know, night, you know, nightmare. You know what's funny about that? <laughs> Suzanne Miller. I was like, that's funny. I Suzanne Miller. She does, uh, she, Can you she, pull over? She does a podcast here, and I don't know how she did this or they did this, but they got her on in cabs. And, but you're telling me I was the, the one on in yeah, the cab you, yesterday? You were her last guest. Here's a Sid Rosenberg. Oh, you wanted to kill yourself, didn't oh, you? Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, just like anything else in the world, if you keep doing it, you'll get better. Oh, yeah, yeah, you maybe you want to vomit. <laughs> yeah, probably the last thing he was saying was, yeah. hey, you know, this is one of the greatest conversations ever. We're going to have to end it. I don't want to end that right now. But you know it's going to be great. Okay, well, but thanks for having me on. I love you. I love you to pieces. You know I love you to pieces. It's one of the best ever. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> he probably just had texted you, too, yeah. before he got in the can. I was like, you know what, I'm not paying, I'm not paying the fare. <laughs> Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. up at noon after me and Brian Kilmeade. We'll talk to Bill O'Reilly coming up, folks. Uh, you're lucky you get O'Reilly two days in a row. He's on every Thursday, but he's going to join me coming up momentarily after this Biden press conference yesterday with the special counsel had to say about Biden. But I have to tell you that, um, you know, the mayor, Eric Adams, it, it's no secret. They've written stories about us in the Post and the news. How does a Trump-supporting conservative Morning talk show host, hang out with a Democrat mayor. And we did. We hung out a lot. Went out for dinners and whatever. It doesn't matter. And um, I always preface my comments by saying I like them, and it pisses a lot of you off, and I don't care if it does. You know, Janine yelled at me the other day, I don't care if you like him. Well, I'm just telling you, I like him. I know him personally. I kind of like him. That doesn't mean I think he's a great mayor. I don't. I mean, I'm on record every day with Curtis uh, being very, very tough on the mayor, very kicking his ass, in fact. And when he does stuff like this, I don't even want to see him anymore. 
Forget about talk. And I don't. I never see him. Never. I think I've seen him once in like two months. Once. Have to do an event together, be in the same place at the same time, but that's it. We almost never talk anymore on the phone, ever. No text, nothing, except the FBI took his phones as it was. So there's very, very, very little communication, if any, between me and the mayor. And when he does stuff like this, says stuff like this, I don't care if that's the case. Play uh, play number 12, because this guy that he's talking about to me is one of the most repulsive human beings, a derelict of duty, an agenda-driven, biased, racist piece of garbage. That's the Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg. Here's Adams complimenting him. Number 12. I just really want to commend the DA for their discipline, uh, for how they uh, meticulously went through this case to make sure the individuals who are involved, sure. we are apprehending the right individuals for doing sure. a, a act that we witnessed all. It was a chilling act that all of us witnessed. Again, thank you so much, DA Bright. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for ruining this city. Ruining this city, putting a bunch of criminals back on the streets, and you, along with the Attorney General Letitia James, wasting our time, our security, our safety, and taxpayer money trying to get at Donald Trump. Thank you so much, Alvin Bragg. Eric, Eric, that's shameful. Endangering cops' lives. Yeah, that's shameful. Endangering cops' lives. You don't commend this guy, even if he did a good job there. If he did a good job there, business as usual. You want to know, Eric, why your approval rating is in the dumper? Well, you're not going to win. You're not going to win next time. You want to know stuff like that. What's more important, Eric? You want to be friends with Alvin Bragg? Or you want New Yorkers to vote for you? It can't be both. Stop, Eric. Stop. Stop endorsing Hochul. Stop endorsing Biden. Stop taking selfies and saying nice things about Alvin Bragg. Stop. We hate Alvin Bragg. We hate him. We don't dislike him. We hate him. And Letitia James. Stop. Bill O'Reilly's next. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Glad he's not going to be charged. I think this whole thing is, um, yeah, they shouldn't have done it. Trump shouldn't have done it. But does it really matter to the country? No. So I'm glad Biden's not going to be charged. I'm, and the happiest guy in the country tonight is Donald Trump. He's the happiest guy. His poll numbers will rocket now. Because people believe what they want to believe, Cuomo. But this is so damning. This report is so damning. I don't think I've ever seen a report as damning to a sitting president. And I'm writing a book on all the presidents. 345 pages. The book basically says he broke the law. No doubt he did. He knew he was breaking the law. But we're not going to charge him because he's a doddering guy who's probably got dementia. That's the report. Now, if you're the Republican Party, how many commercials are you going to get out of that? It's devastating. Bill O'Reilly, that's my man, the best ever. 9 p.m. weeknights, WABC, 845 Thursday mornings with me, but I begged him to come on today. And, um, well, I'll be honest with Bill, he kicks Cuomo's ass once a week, too, Chris, on uh, News Nation. That was last night, maybe twice a week. But um, the one part there that uh, I didn't like, 
And Bill's going to correct me now. Trust me, that's how it works. He's a lot smarter than I am. But the one part there that I didn't like was when he said that he wishes Biden wasn't charged. And I would just say this, so do I. In an ideal world, Donald Trump should never have been charged. Joe Biden should never have been charged. But I'm sorry. Once you charge my guy, and it's the same thing. I don't want to hear about obstruction of justice. It's the same thing. Once you charge my guy, you got to charge the other guy. So I can't be happy for Biden that he's not going to be indicted when, in fact, my guy is going through hell for doing the same thing. In fact, my guy was a president, so he can declassify those documents, and Biden couldn't even do that. That was the only part there that I took offense to, but I must be missing something, yes? Well, you're always missing something, <laughs> Rosenberg. I mean, everyone knows that. It's part of your charm. Right. Yeah, here's Sid. Uh, what are you missing today, Sid? I mean, come on, you know. Um, look, I'm doing my analysis based on what's good for the country, not what's good for Biden or Trump or the Upper West Side of Manhattan. I'm not. I don't. This was this story is a worthy story because messages have to be sent to the powerful people that you just can't take classified documents and put them in your garage or your basement. But we got it now. So I don't see any benefit for hauling Joe Biden into court on this because, as it said in the report, the jury is going to look at a guy who doesn't know where he is. Come on. I'm tired of this. I am really what? tired of this. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. He doesn't know where he is. He's got dementia. I'm tired of you, it. Bill. Wait, wait, wait. Let me ask you a question. Sure. Do you believe that her, the special counsel, was lying when he said that Joe Biden didn't know when his son Bo died? No, I, I think there is something to it, but I also think this. And this is what's going to blow your mind. You're going to call me crazy. I don't care. First of all, uh, if you care about the country, then you need to have everybody in the same playing field. So if you cared about the country, you can't have the DOJ going after Trump and making excuses for Biden. No, I, in all and I said that. I said that, that I, I don't want Trump. Look, and, and that case is over, by the way. By failing to indict Joe Biden. You can't indict Donald Trump. You so. wait and see. That, that case falls I, know, I hope apart. you're right. I hope you're right. But let me, let me no, ask you this. Yeah, that's never going to get Okay, in. but let me ask you this. Let, let me, I'm going to throw this conspiracy theory at you. Oh, no, my God. Okay. You ready for this? <laughs> no, but I'll take it. <laughs> and I'm not even a conspiracy theory guy, but, but what if I said to you? Yes. And you know this because you told me some of this, too. About three weeks ago, Barack Obama shows up at the White House, and he says to Joe Biden, this is true, he says, you're done. It's over. You're done. Okay. About five days after that, Michelle Obama, who's been in hiding for years, we haven't seen or heard from her about anything, all of a sudden she's on a podcast talking about the country, how the country needs help. And not long after that, this special counsel decides that Joe Biden is, is so dementia-riddled that they're not going to charge him, but he has no issue telling the country and potential voters that this guy basically can't spell his own name. That sounds to me like a very, very big effort 
from the Obamas to their special counsel to make sure America knows this guy cannot be president any longer. They're not going to charge him because they love their Democrats. Trump, they don't care. They're not going to convict him or indict him, put him in prison. But, hey, country, listen to me. He's got to go. No chance? None. But that's not to say that people weren't thinking that. But if you think there was a phone call or a little meeting in a room, that never happened. Okay. So let's advance the story for WABC listeners, okay? Number one, Biden shot. I've been saying it for a year. He's not going to be on the ticket. What's likely to happen, and right now there are meetings going on in Washington, D.C., among the upper echelons of the Democratic Party, and they're saying, Who are we going to bring in? Who's going to do it? So by early summer, you're going to get an LBJ. Remember LBJ 68? I'm going to carry out my term and not running again. Because Biden can't run again. He can't. Not with this report. And that was the huge story last night. And that is why CNN and MSNBC buried it. No, I agree. But here's here's the next issue, then. It's not like the Democrats have a deep bench. So if you say to me, Sid, Biden's going to have to step down. Well, Newsom's not beating Trump. And and, well, and that, Kamala that's Harris. The problem. If right. they had somebody, that somebody would already be in. Well, they got that somebody. It's Michelle Obama. Is she going to do it or not? Who knows? Would you agree, though, she's the only one yes, that could beat Trump? Course. Yeah. She's the only one that could give Trump a real problem. However, Whitmer of Michigan wants to run, the governor of of Michigan. She wants it. Is that the same lady, by the way, that uh, told everybody they couldn't go outside in the summer but then uh, took her husband's boat out uh, during COVID? That's the same one who... Yes, she's a sailor. (laughs) That was the one that the uh, Nazis tried to kidnap, and then the Nazis got acquitted, and some of them did, and some of them didn't. I don't know. That's right. (laughs) Talk about (laughs) insanity. But anyway, she would like to do it, but nobody knows who she is, and she would probably wouldn't uh, win anyway. Right. So... So the Democrats have to come up with a plan B. They don't have a plan B now. All right. And then as soon as they have a plan B, and it won't be Kamala Harris because she polls lower than Biden, um, then they'll kick into motion. And all of the delegates that Biden will assemble between now and summer, he will then give to whoever the Democrats choose. That's the likely scenario. And it it all hinges on Michelle Obama, because if it isn't her, then Trump is likely to win. As I said, the happiest guy in the country today is Donald Trump. And here's some advice for the former president. Don't dance on Biden's cognitive head. Don't do that. Listen, I love what you just said. You know I do. I love it. There's no chance that's going to happen. Well, then he's... You haven't heard a lot from him today yet. Not okay? yet. He didn't, right. he didn't. And remember, this is a vampire. He doesn't sleep. <laughs> he didn't social media yeah. last yeah. night. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe somebody said, just get out of the way here because this is such a disaster. It doesn't need you. Agreed. And let your PAC people, political action committee, let them take it and do what they want to do with it. But Trump now has been handed 
It's, it's amazing. He has been handed an issue that you cannot spin. The president of the United States is in cognitive decline. It is on the record. He can't say he's not, even though he tried in that horrendous press conference last night. He, he looked ridiculous. I know, but he still said so he, he wasn't. It's, I mean, it's on the record, but that doesn't mean it is. Of course he is. You have to be a moron not to know that, but he says he's well, not. He, here's the thing. Half of the American people don't know what's happening at all in this country. These are the people listening to the rap music or the country music uh, on, on radio stations. They're not listening to WABC. They're not reading the newspaper. They're not watching television news. They don't know anything. And you know some of those people, I'm sure. Yeah, my family. Okay? <laughs> they listen to WFAN all day long. Correct. Okay? Yeah. yeah. They can give you, uh, you know, who hit 245 in 1972, right. but they don't know who Secretary of State is. Right. Those people now, today, are getting this because it's all over social media. They're getting that the President of the United States is not in control of yeah, himself. But what if some of those people, and this is a great question, I believe, it's a great question. What is worse for the guy? The cognitive decline that the president is in, that you may be right, more people become aware of today. Right. Or the legitimate Donald Trump syndrome, derangement syndrome, where people will find that out today, but if they already hate Trump, I don't think it matters. It, it's impossible to evaluate that statement, but I will tell you this. If any American goes to the polling place next November and pulls the lever for Joe Biden, you are hurting yourself, your family, and your country. Well said. I'm not telling you to vote for Trump. You don't want You hate Trump. You don't want Trump. Don't vote for either of them. Okay. Go down ticket. Vote for the uh, local races or the Senate races, whatever. But if you go into that polling place and you put a man who cannot embrace reality physically he cannot do it you put him in power for four more years that's as irresponsible an action as i have ever seen you know for me i'm not a one issue voter but for me the reason why i wouldn't vote for biden was something else he did yesterday it had nothing to do with what this guy hurst said about his cognitive difficulties because i believe he's been that way for the better part of 30 years i really don't um, and I've got uh, stuff he has said dating back 10 years ago that you would have scratched your head and said, what? But what he said yesterday about Israel, where he actually said again, again, that Netanyahu's actions, that the Israelis' actions are, quote-unquote, over the top, does he have to be reminded that they raped our women, put live babies in ovens, cut our kids' eyes out, and killed them in front of their parents? I would describe that as over the top. So for me... I am less upset about his cognitive issues than I am about him continuing day after day to crap all over Israel and try to convince me he's pro-Israel. All right, I understand that. You're emotionally involved in that story, and you feel that it's ridiculous to say something like that. But the president of the United States doesn't know when his son died. <laughs> You're right. 
But what he died. So, I mean, do you think he has yeah. any idea of yeah. what Netanyahu is doing? True. He also uh, thought he also, and maybe he just lied, but he did try to convince he didn't us. Why he doesn't know? He told us that his son died in Iraq, and of course, he died in the hospital here in the United States. You know, when I was on News Nation last night, you used the clip going in. And by the way, I hope everybody was at BillOReilly.com because I got a, my analysis of this is on video. Or you don't have to be a member. You just go there, and I and I just lay it all on out for you. But even Cuomo. A staunch Democrat, even Cuomo, couldn't find any seam at all to stick up for Joe Biden. Neither could Carvel. None of them could. Carvel hates him. The the conversation then ended with Cuomo saying Joe Biden should do more of those press conferences that he did last night. And I looked at him. I said, are you totally insane? Oh, my God. He can't sit there and tell the special counsel when he was vice president. He can't, he's, he can't do that. I said, Cuomo, I'm sitting there across from Joe Biden right now. I'm interviewing Joe Biden. Can you picture that? Not in a million years. I mean, right. I mean, I mean, besides the fact, I mean, Chris should know better. I mean, he's, but he's such a staunch Democrat, he can't help himself. That's why the media sucks today. Uh, no disrespect to Chris, but he sucks. Because you got a president who, who in the last two weeks alone, confused Mitterrand, who's been dead for 30 years. No, no with, you're wrong there, though. What's that? He didn't confuse Mitterrand and Cole. What's that? Both of whom have been dead for a while. He communes with them. He actually speaks with them <laughs> late at night. You didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's one of the things he's going to oh. run on. Oh. I, I oh. can talk to yeah. dead people. <laughs> I mean, Cuomo knows that right off the bat. What is he talking about? And given the opportunity, not with Bill O'Reilly, who's going to be respectful, you always are, whether it's Barack or Trump, but you're going to ask some tough questions. He's got the opportunity to sit with Gail King or Margaret Brennan, softballs all day at the Super Bowl. He won't even do that. He he couldn't sit with your son, Gabe. <laughs> Gabe would be looking around going, hey, um, where do you live? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure where I live. I, I think I live in Delaware, but maybe I move, and I don't know. Oh, God. You know, look, I don't want to, and and please, WABC listeners, I'm not mocking older people in cognitive decline. I knew this was happening because I went through it with my mother. I saw it. I'm sorry. All right? I lived it. And and when you were in cognitive decline, you have good days and bad days. All right? But it looks like Biden only has bad days now. True. So I thought it was, you know, the beginning stages of dementia. It's probably way beyond that. I agree. And then we go back to people saying, oh, I'll vote for him anyway because I hate Trump. Hey, why don't you cut off your toes? Okay, that's how bad that is. Oh, you're right. I, 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 I don't listen. I I, uh, I can't thank you enough. Two consecutive days of you. I'm the luckiest guy in media today. I really mean that, Bill. I got to run because the show is over. And Brian Kilmeade is coming up next. But again, brilliant today. Great yesterday. We'll do it again next week. Thank you so much. Have a good weekend, Sid. My Bye. man, Bill O'Reilly. Two days in a row with Bill O'Reilly, and he just broke it down for you perfectly. Yeah, it's good about Bill. Bill, and not only is he smart. No one knows the history of that office more than Bill, but he's got a heart, too, which I don't have. I'm just 
you know, I want this old bastard to disappear in the worst way. I don't give a crap where he ends up. Bill's got a bit of a heart more than I've got. He's Irish. I'm Jewish. Makes no sense. Lou, great job this week. Justin, great job this week. Noam Layden, great job this week. Flippin', you're a wild man. We'll all talk to you again Monday when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. That's right, I said it. The Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. See you Monday morning, folks. Peace. If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients, and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.